You're listening to Scoreline Extra, the weekly catch-up podcast for Casey Laura's Scoreline Sports Show, where we bring you the best of the highlights from this weekend. It's been one of the busiest of the year for live games with no fewer than five matches on Saturday alone and plenty to talk about in the studio across Sunday. Over the course of the next two hours, you'll hear a full discussion on the Champions League and Premier League closing games, reaction to all of our live games over the weekend with the help of Derek Ling, Niall Carew, Niall Bergen, David Buggy, Bernard Jackman, Seamus Kelly, Peter Chapclear and more. We'll also hear from Carlos Kate. Nolan, Carrick Shock, Stevie Cal on the launch of a new club app and plenty more besides. To kick things off, Robbie Dowling was joined in studio by four-time national foot golf champion Jimmy Murphy and he began by asking him just how he got involved in foot golf in the first place. I started in 2015, just a random midweek day after work. One of the lads had said to me, do you want to come out and give this a try? I said, absolutely, loved football, loved golf at the time, so... Just gave out, went out and gave it a lash and um, absolutely loved the game and never looked back. I suppose three months later, I was asked to go and compete in the UK Open, which was quite a big deal at the time. Yeah. And had a really good first day. And I ended up on day two being out in the final group with European number one and two. Um, in, and in the end went on to finish seventh overall. Wow. Uh, it was quite an amazing experience because at the time I was probably playing with a two, three euro football, four euro football, whatever, <laughs> and um, all these top European players coming to me saying, "Where did you get the football? What is this? And this is amazing. I might love this and whatever." And I'm just like, "Yeah, this is a, this is something I just kind of picked up off the side of the street to come over." So um, funny at the time, but um, yeah. you can see it's uh, it's exciting. It's yeah, exciting. It's exciting. And what has your journey been like since then, Jimmy? You may I mentioned there in the introduction, you're a four-time national champion, which is just an incredible achievement. Going for five championships in 2023. Um, how did the competitive side of things come about initially? I suppose you mentioned the UK Open there, but how did it stem from there? From a very very early age in my life, I've been ultra competitive. Yeah, every sport, everything I ever played, I played every sport going. And it was just all with the will to always want to win and mm. um, give myself every chance of doing the best I possibly can. I'd work, work harder than everybody around me to try give myself every chance. I suppose the early years of foot golf, 2015, 16, 17, I was only kind of a bit, bit part in, wasn't really winning competitions, but making a lot of podiums and never really had the confidence and the capabilities to step up. I think 2018 was my first year where I really changed my mentality changed my game and went and won five of the eight competitions that year and won the national title and really kicked on from there and you mentioned there I suppose you're you're a born winner there's no denying that at the start when you're only making the podiums and I say only most people would be absolutely delighted with that was that tough initially to not to know that maybe you're going to have to develop to get to the stage where you're at now See, I was always I was always quite comfortable on both feet, which um which is a big help for me in foot golf when it comes to any obstacle I'm very, very comfortable overcoming it. So I suppose I knew the game was there, but I think mentally I just wasn't ready at the time in the early years. My head wasn't really in it properly and I think when I sorted out my head and got everything got everything ready in that manner, then the game really started to change and I really started to see the capabilities of what I could do in this game. And it's led you up to the stage where you're at now, where the World Cup in Orlando is coming up very, very shortly. Could you explain to myself and our listeners, when will that all be beginning? So Team Ireland, a a team of 25 Irish players will fly out on Friday. 
Friday morning, uh, Friday afternoon, about two o'clock, roughly. Um, so we'll have 19 men, four women, and four seniors competing in three different categories. So there's over a thousand players overall. So it's very exciting to see what we could take from this. We have a lot of very, very, very top Irish players who I really think can make a dent in this competition and yeah. really show themselves to the world. And what are your aims going out here, Jimmy? Uh, my aim is my aim is to be the absolute best I can be and I think if I do that on the day I wouldn't see anyone ahead of me in the world wow so, I like um, the confidence yeah confidence is high and um, once I get my game going in the right manner uh, I can beat anyone out there I, I, I believe do you ever get nervous when you're coming down the straight there's a championship to be won is do you find that tough or have you got more experience with it over time I think over the span of seven or eight years, I've learned to deal with the nerves. I suppose they would have hurt me more in the earlier two or three years where I wouldn't have been able to handle them as well. But I think over the past five years, I'm really, really learning to to go to the big competitions, to go to the big European competitions and World Cups and really give my best and handle my nerves and bring my best game up forward. And in terms of your development as a foot golf player, you are by far, I must say, uh, the number one player in Ireland at the moment. Do you actually play out with Kilkenny Foot Golf, we should say, in the Pocock here, uh, just down the road from us actually, but here in Kilkenny City. Um, in terms of your development, do you look beyond the national championships in a way? Is it kind of more so looking at European events and obviously the World Cup is the big one coming up very shortly. Is that kind of where you're at at the moment? Yes. So it's it's absolutely fantastic winning Irish titles but it would be amazing to go and try win a European or a world title over like obviously the World Cup gives you that chance to be world champion over 10 days but it would be brilliant to go and travel to all the big countries travel to France Argentina US and all play all the the majors as we say there's four or five majors a year worth huge points that you need to be making in order to be top of the world points you obviously need to be playing very well in them but um you need to be making them competitions to have any chance of staying with the, the bigger lads that travel the world. So I suppose deep down it comes down to needing top sponsors who with lads that are willing to back you and yeah. really help you out financially in a way to travel not only Europe but travel the world to the big, big competitions. And um, obviously just working a nine-to-five job doesn't really cover that, I suppose, all that well. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Is that sort of the next step for yourself going to Orlando now are you still seeking sponsorship where it is available absolutely 100% it's um, it's a very because it's such a new game people don't really understand it people don't really know how it works it's it's very hard to to get in local sponsors of any sort um, yes I have got, a, got help from family and friends and some small businesses in Waterford but you really need that you really need to hit the big time with one major company that would be willing to help you I suppose yeah to make this financially easier and does that in a way how difficult is it to balance it out between you've got this ultra competitive streak along with an incredible talent which means you're able to compete not just in Ireland which would be brilliant enough for most people but also in Europe and worldwide but then on the other side of things, you have to be able to finance it. And of course, you know, everyday life uh, and real life comes to the fore as well. Is that a difficult balancing act? 
Absolutely, yes. Um, I suppose that's the hardest part of it all, knowing which competitions to go to and which ones you can afford to go to. And you obviously has to miss work then as well. If um, I suppose I went to I went to Madrid maybe three months ago, and it meant missing work Thursday, Friday, and Monday. So that's very difficult, obviously. Um, yeah. On on my employer and stuff, he's the absolute best in the world, and he. He supports me all the way, but also I need to be there to get the work done. So it's um it's a real fine balancing act, yes. And in terms of the sport itself, just to sell it a bit more, because obviously, um, as you say, it's still fledgling here in this country. Um, when did the competitive side of things begin? We obviously went over your own story, but in Ireland, in terms of the World Cup, and you can can you bring us back over a couple of the World Cups that Irish participants have taken part in? Yes. Um, 2015 was the first year I took part and that year was the qualifying for Argentina for Buenos Aires for our, my first World Cup would yeah. say. I think Ireland brought over 12 players that stage so there would probably be 8 to 10 events around the country that could be in I think it was Waterford Cork Kilkenny was involved obviously Pocock here um, we had Wexford we had plenty in Dublin Mayo and all around the country which um there would be about eight to ten tour events and your best six scores will be taken towards your overall score and the top 12 at the time qualified for this race to Buenos Aires as it was called and we had an absolute time of our lives over there representing Ireland and representing our hometowns and Waterford, Kilkenny and giving it our absolute best on the world stage. And how much pride does it fill you with to be able to represent your country on the sport. It's not it's something that most people will never even get near doing. Yeah, I think you're always representing your hometown. You're always representing, like, I'm from a small little village, Cheap Point in Waterford. You I feel like I'm representing this, I'm representing Waterford, but you're also representing your country, Yeah, which is obviously it's the most amazing thing in the world to do. As you said, a lot of people may not get a chance to do it in their lifetime. So foot golf is a big, big opportunity for people even starting the game to get out and represent our country. Um, there's there's so much opportunities there to travel Ireland and then to travel Europe and to to really make, if you really push yourself, you can make this World Cup team, you can go on and achieve big things in the game. There's so many good soccer players and GAA players, rugby players, such good kickers in the country. It's It would be great to have so many more players involved. Um, our co- local course here in Pocock is up there as the best in the country I think and it's an absolute joy to have it on our doorstep it's only 35 minutes from me at home so it's it's great I can come up and spend four or five hours here practicing and getting ready because it's very very like the European courses that where you play on proper golf courses and this can get you prepared and get you mentally ready for it and we we should actually say that in terms of we're obviously here in Casey Larkle Kenny and Carlo listeners anyone's home course within that region would be the Pocock I mean, they're the most welcoming of owners and they just would be a great foundation builder if people did want to begin a journey in football, aren't they? The Holmes family are have been so generous to not only me and the local lads here, but the whole country when football competitions are on there. They're, there's there's only so many words I can say about them. They're, they're so generous and they're just the best in the world they really are and um, I would recommend any club any local teams getting out for a little family day or a little like under 7s 8s 9s any age yeah. get out bring all, bring all the lads there for a kickabout it's so much fun 
um, you'll be well looked after by Jonathan and Adele and all the lads up there working are just so friendly and kind and it's a, it's a lovely day out for anyone. And just in terms of, we mentioned how welcoming the Holmes family are in terms of the owners of the Pocock Foot Golf Course, but the community itself of foot golfers in Ireland, there's a real sort of sense of spirit and togetherness about it, isn't there? There's a huge togetherness about the Irish team, I think, compared to any other teams around the world. There's, you see a lot of, I've seen it over the years with the likes of other countries, um, where there's a big divide where you see players not wanting other players of their own country to do well. And for me, that's just not right. I think going to this World Cup now in five days' time, we have a massive togetherness where I just I just know anyone out in the course is going to have the whole team behind them cheering them on. And that just makes the life so much easier. And it makes it makes it so much friendlier, I suppose. And it's, it's lovely to have the lads behind you. And the ladies, obviously, this is the first year we will ever have ladies at a, an international competition. So... Um, it's uh, it's exciting. It's exciting where this game is going, and it's it's only kind of the last two years where we really have ladies involved. Where we have five or so regulars, but how great would it be if we could have fifteen, twenty yeah. regular women next next year and the year on, whatever? Um, be great to grow the game and just show what it can do. And in terms of the categories of players that are going to the World Cup, you mentioned there, there's ladies. Is it just men, women and seniors? Are there different categories in between? Could you explain to us how that works? Yes, yeah, hit the nail on the head. It is men, ladies and seniors, yes. So the men's competition will be their own competition. The ladies will have their own separate competition and the the seniors will also. I think the men have, I could be wrong here, I think there's 594 overall men who will battle it out for a top three spot. So you can... You can imagine just how difficult it is going to be trying to get a podium or anything even close to that out of the 600-odd men. And after that, I think there's somewhere in around 300 seniors and 100 and something women. So the game is growing. I don't think we had anywhere near 120 or so women at the last World Cup, but it's it's grown and it's just so great to see. It's such an incredible experience to be able to represent your country at any sport, but particularly at a World Cup and to also get to go to Orlando with, I'm sure, what you would describe as your friends now. How will the whole World Cup play out? How long is it in duration? Um, do you have to qualify through different rounds? What's the format of the World Cup coming up? So we fly over Friday. We have two courses to practice Saturday. We have two courses to practice on Sunday. And then the first round of individuals starts on the Monday. Every player will play on the Monday. And before the individual starts, each country will name five players. Either five or six. And of, I would say of those five, four of them scores will count towards their overall to see if that team, if that country qualifies for the team event. So you take your four of their best five top scores and if that gets you into the top 24 countries, you will qualify for the team the team event, which will start on Tuesday and then continue into Wednesday. And then Thursday, you'll be back to individuals. So overall, you'll have four days of individual and you'll probably have five days of team competition. So it's about nine, ten, nine or ten days of very intense competition. And it is an individual sport, of course, but there is a team collective, as you described there. Do you work as a team prior to the competition in any way? Yes. So we will have kind of team meets and get-togethers where we'll do four balls and different sorts of strategies and stuff to get lads used to playing together. 
um, and try find strong pairs so we know like you could be in a four ball or a foursome where obviously foursome is where you're playing alternate shots so you play I play kind of thing and so on until you finish the hole and then all the way through your 18 and the four ball will be where you will play both balls and take the best score on every hole yeah so you will have three three singles two four balls and two foursomes so you name 11 players and that'll be the Irish team and then every team every player will have subs as well so there'll be 17 or 18 players involved in this team competition all the way through which I think is great to keep everyone involved and I think Ireland have a very very a very strong base of players going this year which is great to see and in terms of when we talk about golf the PGA Championship of course is taking place at the moment over in America um, psychological factors always seems to come into it in terms of you know your putting or, or things like that is it similar for foot golf? I've actually been watching the PGA myself um, where you see how impressive it is for the likes of Brooks Kepka, who on day one and two never really got going but is still there and now after day three he leads. Yeah. It's the mental side is so important in foot golf to not fade away, to not leave one bad hole or one bad shot lead to another. That's the most important part of any game. I think so. I think there's huge similarities. Obviously slight differences but foot golf plays 90% the same as golf. So um, I think there's a lot you can take from the mental side of the game. And for foot golf in this country, it seems to be growing at a rate, uh, maybe a slower rate, but certainly at some rate. But it seems like it's on the cusp of exploding in terms of more and more people are attracted to it and more and more people are realising the huge benefits that come with playing this sport, particularly because it is individual and you're not reliant maybe on 10 or 15 other lads or ladies to be involved at a training session or a match. So you can always go out whenever you want, um, within reason, of course. Um, what does the future of foot golf look like in Ireland, do you think? The immediate future and longer term, what would you like it to be? At the minute, I think we have... I'd, I'd say we'd have somewhere along the lines of 80 players maybe that competed at any stage last year. We'd probably have a regular of about a group of about 40 that we would get to most competitions, but then that might push to 60 or so on a good day yeah. and 70 or 80 maybe if we don't very, very well. But there's, we'll say Portugal last week, I think had 200 odd players playing and I, it would be fantastic to have that in Ireland someday where we can have all them players out and obviously the more players you have the more chance you have of producing absolute top top players and and going further in world competitions and so on I suppose so um, I think the I think what we really need to do is just grow the numbers get lads out there to show them how fun of a game it is and also how competitive and how far you can really really bring this game That's the thing I think isn't it because I suppose for people that play soccer or rugby or Gaelic football, as you mentioned, they're so used to kicking a ball, but um, if they're wary of the fact that maybe foot golf doesn't have that competitive edge that those sports brings, it probably has it more than those sports in a way, doesn't it? So they can enjoy it, they are in control of it, as I say, because it is an individual sport, and there is that competitive edge. So if they're wary of maybe just playing a sport where there's not as much competition, it's certainly there. So it's kind of all there for people that are maybe on the cusp of thinking about playing it or not, isn't it? Absolutely. The, it's probably the most competitive sport I've ever played because you can only leave yourself down. Um, I think you, you get really, you can get really nervous, I suppose. And But it's a game where you can... 
you can do as much training as you want. You have nobody there to leave you down. It's up to you. You can put two, three hours in every day of the week. Yeah. You will get better and you're not reliant, as you said, on anyone for 10 lads to show up for training to go ahead and this and that. You put the work in behind the scenes and it'll really start to show on the, on the pitch and on the course. And But yes, the competitive side is is there more than any soccer, rugby, hurling, I, I think, because you can yeah. do it on your own and you can really compete to your top level. And Jimmy... Just before we wrap it up here, um, you're going to Orlando. I mean, there's a possibility here for anybody listening in of, you know, obviously fingers crossed for you, of somebody coming back with a medal from a World Cup for Ireland. Uh, we always go on about Italia 90 and the rugby team. They never won a medal or got near winning a medal, to be honest with you. And lots of other teams haven't in various other sports. How can people help you out in terms of your trip to Orlando if they would like to? Well, I've I've had a GoFundMe set up for the last couple of weeks, which um has kind of levelled out, I suppose. Would say at a, it's it's a very difficult thing to push, and funding is a very difficult thing to push. But I suppose what we're looking more to do is we're just looking to have people watch and enjoy the game, and really maybe come out and give it a try, come to Pocock and see see what it can do. Bring your family and friends, your mother and father, or whatever that may be, and come along and enjoy the game. And you can get on the FGAI websites and follow Foot Golf Ireland and see see the journey that we're on and it'd be be great to have new numbers there. Um like my partner Laura will be also coming to the World Cup. Of course, yeah. It's she's been an absolute rock for me over the last couple of years. She's probably been the reason why I've really stepped my game up because the support she gives me, whether she comes with me to competitions or she doesn't come with me, it's it's the mentality there of you're the best player there and there's no one there that's going to beat you it's kind of there's never a doubt with anything there's never there's never any doubt with anything whatsoever it's just like if you think you can do it go win it like it's it's as simple as that I suppose so what would be great is to just get so many more listeners there to maybe click on Fuck Off Ireland follow us on our journey and just see what we can really do and get involved then will be fantastic and just very finally, you mentioned your partner there, Laura. Um, she very recently won the national championship here in Kilkenny. Uh, you're a supremely incredible player, but she is brilliant as well, isn't she? She is, absolutely. Her short game is second to none. Yeah. It's approach, putting, absolutely brilliant. Um, it's been great to see her because up till, probably, I'm going to say two years ago, she never played any team sports, never played any rugby, soccer, hurling, anything, and literally took up kicking a football for the first time two years ago. So, it just shows what you can really achieve when you put your mind to it. Jimmy Barry, we wish you nothing but the best of luck in Orlando. Uh, you should be incredibly proud of all your achievements and your achievements to come. And thanks ever so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you very much for having me, Rob. Thank you. La Hard Sunday Scoreline. Your music, your sports. With thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at La Hard's, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, lahardsvolkswagen.ie. Welcome back. Now our final game of five games last night saw Kilkenny secure their place in the All-Ireland Series with a 27 points to 21 points victory over Dublin. We'll be hearing from Dublin manager Michal Donoghue very shortly, but first the media caught up with Kilkenny manager Derek Ling after his side's victory and here's what he had to say. Yeah, I think so. I'm not, I, look, I'm, not, I'm not too sure, but it wasn't even just one or two players. We were just um, touch all over. Seemed to be a little bit nervy, and you know, even you know, throughout the game, there was there was periods in the game where we were nervy, and other other parts of it. Then we were we were hurling with a lot more conviction. But um, but look, overall, I think I'm just just happy with the win. To be honest, I knew it was going to be a tricky one. Um, 
we had a you know a decent win against them in the league and I knew you know they would have learned a lot about us as well during the league and they would have come down and I was expecting a big performance from Dublin and they started the game well um, but we battled in our way into it and finished the first half reasonably strong but like I said we kind of switched off towards the end there again which we wouldn't be happy with Are, are some of those turnovers uh, trying to be a little bit more measured with the ball sometimes and you maybe invite some pressure on yourself? Yeah look at times our decision making wasn't wasn't good you know at times they had an extra player back so I suppose the, you know to be fair to the lads they were you know looking on ahead and um, trying to work it through at times but look yeah, at times we overdo it, no doubt about it, and we made life hard on ourselves. But um, there was a lot of positives out there as well. I thought when we were moving, there was periods when we were moving really well. We got some great scores from out the field, and um, so look, it's about kind of it's about improving on that and uh, take the positives out of it, and we'll get ready for Exeter now next weekend. And with the exception of Richie Reid, is everyone fit? Everyone, yeah, everyone else came through today. As far as I know, look, we're just in the dressing room there now, so we'll have to assess how Richie is. Hopefully, it's not too bad ankle was it? It was an ankle yeah so look it was enough for him to come off and he was sore so um, back to see how he is the next couple of days. We're going to Wexford next uh, weekend obviously from our point of view our sense of Galway looking in a strong position but winning again Wexford would keep Dublin in and knock Wexford out so we never go down there that there's not a, a, a real battle at hand and it's going to be no different really is it? No not at all I mean it's a, it's a great game for us to forward now as well and you know, we're going down there and we're in a strong position and um, yeah we'll as you know, as soon as um, tonight is over and, you know, we'll reassess tomorrow morning, get a recovery in and we're getting ready for Wexford then. And you want to win it, of course. Absolutely, yeah. Look, it's, it's uh, you know, we haven't had a great record against Wexford and, you know, it's a game we're looking forward to now. It's, it'll be a big game, as you said. Um, great atmosphere down there and, you know, it's, it's one that we'll want to win. Would you be hoping Richie Hogan might uh, be available for some time? How is he now? He just got a bit of an injury again. He has, yeah, unfortunately. And, you know, I suppose he's been kind of battling it uh, you know for the last couple of weeks and unfortunately just came against him again so look we'll just have to see how he is during the week but the team has shaped up well today I suppose but the concession of late points you alluded to there when you were talking to Dunica they just maybe lost concentration a bit trying to run the game and run the clock down it, that can be costly in matches if you're not careful yeah I know you can't do it you can't do it and like it was only a few minutes left but like we you know three or four scores there too handy and uh, look, that you know, it was uh, kind of annoying at the end of it, to be honest, because we we put ourselves in a strong position. But um, look at it, something we'll have to take from it and try and make sure we don't let it happen again. You know? Now I know I said it to you a few times here, and you answered it very clearly last time up and answered me. Bag goals and great goals of that. I suppose you will be a bit disappointed you didn't bag one or two mm. today. We never really threatened Sean Brendan in the double goal, did we? No, no, a couple of half chances, but um, like they're a good defence though, and um, and you know at times they had an extra man back and make life very hard and hard on us as well. And um, but at the positives, we didn't try to force it either, and we we worked the ball well at times out the field, and we picked off some good scores. So look, that's that's a positive. And as I said to you, we'll hopefully opportunities will you know will come, we'll take them um, in terms of goals. So it's like you were saying about say, picking up all over the place, but I mean in the likes of Mikey Watcher popping from mm. cornerback, I mean half-back line it's, it's scored coming from everywhere which is obviously positive for you that it's not just relying on the same mode the whole time yeah definitely look we've good hurlers all over the pitch and although you know they're defenders sometimes they're tracking players and they end up you know they can end up out the, out the field and need to be comfortable at that and you know they're as I said they're there's plenty of talent there playing in the backs and they're well capable of taking their scores and it's just about you know having the confidence to go to go on and 
and go for it with conviction when you get the opportunity. And you know, Mikey did a couple of times today, so that was good. I know it was a positive point as well. I mean, the fact when he came on at the very end, but I mean, having Billy back in the ranks as well, great to see. I mean, Chris, particularly after having done so well in the league and then missing out through injury. Yeah, no, it's great to have him back. And uh, to be fair, he had a great league. And and look, at, we were probably expecting him to be out for a lot longer. And you know, thankfully he's. It wasn't as bad as before Spears, and you know he's come back in. He's trained well the last ten days, and uh, yeah, so hopefully, you know he can kick on now as well. Now here's Dublin manager Michal Donu after his side's defeat to Kilkenny last night. It was only a, not a huge lot in it in the very end, really, and uh, Derry King was disappointed. He says Kilkenny switched off, but at least your guys kept going to the club and to the finish, and you'll have to be happy with that part of it. Yeah, we're happy with it, but happy with the performance, but obviously not happy with the results. You know, obviously we came down to try and and get a positive result. The lads worked really hard, started really well. Um, some areas we need, we know ourselves where we need to improve and get back training next week now and work on that. No, obviously next week is going to very much depend. You guys have Galway, who you know very well. Kilkenny down in, we, we know Kilkenny have a poor record down in Rexford in recent times, but I know Derek is very keen to win that match. You need him to win it if you don't come through yourselves yeah but look that's out of our control so therefore you know we're not getting that much consideration for ourselves we're just concentrating ourselves like we can't control anything other than, than our own game next week and focus now is on recovery and get ready to go again no neither team tonight really threatened uh, goal scoring opportunities that was probably the type of game it was but is that indicative of uh, the modern game has gone now uh, look, uh, from from our perspective, uh, I'm really happy with the defensive units that we have. Do you know what I mean? They work really hard. They, you know, I, I thought our backs played really well tonight. For tw- sorry, for 20 minutes in the first half, you match Kilkenny, and because those 10, 15 minutes before half time, you lost your way. One or two refereeing decisions, possibly, totally might might have helped you, but. For up those 20 minutes, he matches all over the field. Yeah, we did. We worked hard. And, and I think in that 20, after that, you know, where they got maybe Paddy Deegan dropping, you know, they loaded us back around the half-back line and, and that gave them the foundation to build and, and it took us a bit to get to grips with it. Likewise, I thought there was... Look, I thought Liam Gordon did a good, good job on, on the game, but maybe there was just one or two decisions that went Kilkenny's way and didn't go our way when, when, it was, when I felt it was a replica. But like, both of had a good game. But, you know, with this group, they're a really young group, like, do you know what I mean? The average age is 23, whatever. Our objective is to make sure that every time we play in, in a huge game, like every time you play Kilkenny, that we're really competitive. We were competitive, yes, there was periods in the game that it went away from us a small bit, but we've recognised that and, and totally acknowledge it. And, you know, we need to work on that now again for next week. Kilkenny's probably needed to nullify the threat of Donald Burke without picking single-handed, but Donald Burke is huge, and they did that today with yeah. Richie Reid, and I suppose that influenced on your performance, Richie Reid's performance. Yeah, it did, but equally, I still thought we had a lot of possession inside, you know, that, that you know, maybe didn't stick and didn't take the chances or pull the trigger quicker when, when we had the opportunities. I agree, Jet, fair point, but I still thought there was opportunities that... We didn't take. You have to give credit to Kilkenny as well. Defensively, they're they're very strong as well. But I think there's more positives for us to take out of the game and look forward to next week. 
Michal, not many people were giving Dublin a chance coming into this game today, but we saw from the very beginning the intent and uh, the intensity that they showed, and you know they were hurling with such confidence as well. Where does that belief come from? Is it because you know they've gone unbeaten up until this point in the championship? They really hurled with a lot of belief. I know as the game progressed, then um, they kind of lost that momentum, but this is a team that seems to really believe in themselves. Yeah, they are. They're, they're a great group. Uh, and they're able to hurl, that's the thing. And, and look, in, in any game of this intensity, you're not going to dominate for 70 minutes, and we know that. But they, the, the, the big challenge against the top teams and to compete with the top teams is you have to minimise their effect when they do get their, their dominant periods. Kilkenny, when they did that, hurt us on the scoreboard. You know, so that's a huge work on. In terms of the group, they're a brilliant, brilliant group. Yes, uh, some of the commentary during the week I thought was hard. Do you know what I mean? Being honest with you. Uh, but, you know, we'll stay working hard. As I said, they're, they're a young group, really ambitious, and there's a lot to build on them today. And, and if anyone knows Galway, you do. So that's the next challenge. How do you see that going? It's going to be a tough challenge, and, and we know that. Uh, it's uh, a game in Croker, and we're just looking forward to it now. Very good. Sorry, Michal, you mentioned coming down to the game that this game that you might have five or six points, and you did. And I can see the disappointment. This game was a game you might have targeted as well. Yeah, it was, but sure, look, every game yes. we come down to win, like, do you know what I mean? Uh, you know, we don't want a moral victory, you know, to say, no, you put up a good performance. We came down to, to get a result, like, you know, we're competitively, collectively, we're a competitive group and, and we wanted to win the game. You know, we felt we had chances. Knew we're up against the top team, but as I said, we take a lot of positives from it, recover now and go again. Are you slightly ahead of the curve from where you thought you'd be, considering, you know, you started off with losing a lot of guys that you probably were planning around and you nearly were going back to scratch to some extent. And now you're coming down here and being quite competitive versus the league match anyway. You know, is that fair comment or is that just where you expect no, to be? I don't I said before previously, like, uh, obviously there was a few lads we thought we might have, right, but we didn't, we, we never worked with them and that's not being disrespectful. So we, from, from day one, we've just dealt with the hand we've been dealt and as I said, they're a brilliant bunch. They're an absolutely great to work with, you know, they're... they're application attitude is top class and you know we just keep going and go again Michal Donoghue there catching up with the media after Dublin's defeat to Kilkenny last night a game of course we brought you here live on KCLR Shane to start with you um, an incredible performance and result for Manchester City on Wednesday night 4-0 win against Reign and European champions Real Madrid what did you make of it first of all? Uh, frightening very very frightening to see a team such in their pomp the last time I remember seeing a team being so dominant against a supposed brilliant team was Barcelona I'd say against Manchester United in both the 2009 and 2011 final just completely outplayed their opponent on the night Real Madrid couldn't lay a glove on him um, I have some question marks in regards to maybe the lineup that Ancelotti went with I'm not a big fan of playing centre midfielders in a left back position or which we see with Camavinga uh, Benzema didn't do much completely nullified uh, Modric had to come off as we all know but it never looked like you always had that hope that Madrid would get back into it maybe in the second half but it never looked like it was happening and the score could have been a lot lot more Ken what did you think about it? Uh, I, I think frightening is probably the best word. Like you, you said it, and I think even kind of looking back at it now, as it was to to Wednesday night, that was a terrifying performance by City. It was a terrible performance from Madrid, and 
as a Liverpool fan and having seen City put four goals past us already this season, I would be very fearful if I was a Man United fan looking at the FA Cup final or if I was an Inter Milan fan looking at the Champions League final. Because based on Wednesday's game, City, I think, already have two hands on the Champions League trophy. Now, Inter were to play AC, uh, beat them 1-0 in the second leg, uh, haven't beaten them 2-0 in the first leg. They didn't look like they were up to much at all um, in, you know, once the, once the goals went in in, yeah. in either semi-final side of things and AC were, AC were flat, but I think even putting Inter up against City at this stage, uh, it's you, you can't look past them. Yeah. It galls me to say it, but you can't look past them. Look at City's running uh, from the group stages, right? You have Bayern Munich in there, you have RB Leipzig, and you have AC, uh, or yeah, so City and uh, Real Madrid. So mm-hmm. Munich and Madrid are the top upper echelon. Where you compare that with Inter Milan, they had AC, they had Porto, and they had Benfica, which isn't proving really anything when you beat win those games. Now I know that they beat Barcelona in the group stages mm-hmm. and so forth, but they didn't really beat anyone of note. Man City made the reigning defending champions of the Champions League look. Bang average. I would compare that almost to Man City against Watford in the FA Cup final when they bet them six 0 a few years ago. Like they yeah. just made them look bang average. Now, albeit Madrid hit the crossbar, Tony Cruz with a uh, thunder shot. I know that Ederson was called into action with another great shot, but other than that, didn't do anything. I would say that when you look at the subs that they brought on, Mares, Foden, and Alvarez all combined to make that fourth goal. Mm-hmm. That's a frightening bench. That's an absolutely staggering bench. Whereas Real Madrid, when they took off Modric, they brought in uh, Asensio at one stage as well. It didn't look like they had that depth, which is which is weird to see from a Real Madrid team, especially considering the age profile of a lot of their players. You would think that they'd have backups to their backups, but Man City do, and they can compete on all fronts. They're going for that treble. I don't see Man United beating them in the FA Cup final, as mm-hmm. I alluded to. I don't see them losing out on the Premiership <coughs> title. And I do see them win the Champions League. Should we be ignoring the 115 charges that the Premier League have put upon them for financial irregularities? (laughs) (laughs) It's a genuine question. No, no matter what you say. It seems to have not been part of the English media discussion of this, what is undoubtedly a tremendous team, but is it marred by these things overhanging the whole thing? It will be if it all holds water and it comes to pass and then they go down the sanctions route that they're looking at. Like whatever way you look at it, right? As a football fan, right? And maybe it's against the integrity of the game of whatever has been alleged. But purely looking at that as a football fan, looking at some of the best players in the world excel with Haaland not at his best, with Kevin De Bruyne mm-hmm. not at his best. Seeing players excel under a certain system of football, which has so far really never been seen before. You're looking at five attacking players with Rodri as a holding holding player. Their, and pre- then, their press is so high. And then John and then John Stones dropping back in every now and again into the centre of yeah. the park. Like what they did was absolutely phenomenal from a purely footballing perspective. Now you can go into things being married 115. You can go and look at Pep Guardiola where people are comparing him to the greatest managers of the world and saying, Well, he never did what Brian Clough did. Brian Clough was a different era. Yeah, but he never he he's accomplished with City with 
unlimited funds so it seems yeah. he, account- what he accomplished that Bayern were going to win the Bundesliga every week every year anyway Munich and then inherited from Frank Redcard a Barcelona team mm. that were probably arguably the greatest team of their generation they'll manage themselves so you know you can you can talk about that stuff but the way he has them playing football like Akjani isn't a world class player no Kyle Walker's fast, but you wouldn't consider him necessarily world-class. Rodri wasn't considered world-class when he came in. Kevin De Bruyne wasn't considered world-class when he came in. That's why the season before Chelsea got rid of him. Now, Erling Haaland, yes. But Jack Grealish, not world-class. Well, but he was Erling, phenomenal last night. Erling Haaland, yes, but like you said, Haaland doesn't need to be at his best. Like Haaland, like Haaland didn't score, didn't get on too much of the ball for both the first leg and the second leg of the semi-final. And if he hadn't played either game it wouldn't have mattered. Well, you look at Courtois, Courtois was called into action a few times by Erling Haaland and the scoreline could have been a lot more. Mm. Like a hell of a lot more. Yeah. So, like, they're just phenomenal to watch. Whatever financial fair play thing you want to bring into it, which is a legitimate concern, Yeah. if you're a football fan you're watching that, you're just in awe, really. Is the desperation around it though, from a football fan's perspective, and there might be a lot of begrudgery, there's no denying that as well, but what we're looking at now could potentially be marred or almost illegitimized in the future and that it's hard to look at it on a face value of what we're seeing now that beautiful football that's indisputable if you're a Man City fan and you watch Man City play their trade in Division 2 I think Kevin Keegan was managing then do you can you imagine going from Division 2 of English football to a Champions League final mm-hmm. after whooping Bayern Munich after whooping another powerhouse in Real Madrid, can you do you think they're going to care if all this kind of comes back into play and, and stuff gets taken away from? They got to watch their club on the biggest stage of them all. Oh my! To do. It's, it's a form of it's all alleged. We should say that before we go any further. If the allegations come to the surface and they're proven true, I mean, there's been loads of situations in the past in different sports, sports people, athletes where they've won countless amounts of titles and they may have been stripped of them or whatever for cheating. This is a different form of cheating that they're being alleged of doing. So if it did come back and they were proven guilty, you would have to think that the whole thing would be meaningless. And is that not the major concern, not just for Man City fans, for football fans generally, that we may be about to see a team win a treble for only the second time in the history of English football and five, ten years, maybe even less, months down the line, the whole thing could be stripped of them. It would be disappointing from the point of view of of uh, maybe looking at it from, from a club point of view and people holding begrudgery against the club side of things. I think if you take it on the football side of it and the way you watch the team, the team that has been assembled by City and the players the way they are playing, like you, you take all the, the financial concerns out of it. Is it not difficult to do that though, no? It probably is on. It probably is it's on the huge, surface. There seems to be for a lot of people a huge question mark lingering over this great team. Ah, oh, there is because, like you know, as soon as the report came out, the initial report came out, everybody's like, "Oh well, that means Liverpool are going to get another three league titles. Yeah. United will get a couple of titles. There'll be a couple of European places in there, and there'll be all different permutations." And to be fair, I don't think United or Liverpool fans want that really, do they? No, I don't think anybody no. cares. It's like no. the season is done. You were good enough, or you weren't, and you won it or you lost it, and you move on. You go on for the next season. The with, all the, with all the stuff, uh, remember when Carlos Tevez and uh, whether he was legitimate to be playing with West Ham, Sheffield United ended up getting relegated. Like even though it was found wrongdoing, the results stayed the same. 
But this is grander than one or two players, isn't it? It's a whole regime, a whole football club coming into question. And everything they do. And have done. It's an interesting one. But come the Champions League final on June 10th, you're going to be watching Man City, in my opinion, lift the Champions League trophy. And that memory will forever be etched into people's minds and not what comes after. They've won five of the last six if they've won the Premier League on Sunday today. You've won five of those last six Premier League trophies. They're not Fans aren't going to care. But you look at Juventus in the 2000s that had their title stripped of them for match fixing. Like That, that could... Do you that, think that's tarred them forever? I think it's tarred the achievement of the time. Possibly. Will it not do the same to City? I don't know. Maybe, I think maybe. looking on as a fan, you'd obviously not like it to be so that they're just so good and so far ahead of your own mm-hmm. club. But when it comes down to it, the brass taxes, they're an unbelievable actual football team when it all comes to play. Whether they legitimately gather those players and their own resources, that yeah. remains to be seen. Yeah. But whatever way you look at it, it's just been phenomenal to watch. And if we focus on that for a minute, you brought up that 2011 Champions League final between Barcelona and Man United. Um, arguably the greatest performance in the Champions League final. Pep Guardiola managed side as well. Are we looking at a team in Manchester City that are one of the greats if they do go on and lift the Champions League? Yeah. I would I would I would it's, say so. It's the one that's gotten away from them for years. Yeah. At least at least in recent years. I mean ten years ago you'd never put City in a Champions League conversation at all. Five years ago you're asking questions as to why aren't City progressing in the Champions League. Last year they were unlucky against uh, they were unlucky against Madrid, Madrid on the semi-final and then they were on the final against like I looked back on the final versus Chelsea I did a I did an article on Scoreline about it at the time mm. it was like the battle of the billionaires right yeah. and I did a lot of research into it and at this is before all this stuff came out and there was only money being pumped into it but then you remember Blackburn no doubt delayed with Jack Walker's investment at Ewood Park United fans were always delighted when they continued to smash transfer records and even before then the British record was smashed for the likes of Dennis Law and Brian Robson in 62 and 81 and I believed in the fairy tale that Man United's success allowed them to succeed during the most profitable era of soccer when the Premier League came and that just continued the success but United have been smashing these records for years beforehand mm-hmm. so money does seem to buy success whatever way we, like the, the, the love of the game goes or whatever you just look at with investment at local sport the inv- people that are investing in their pitches and in their clubs are being successful that's what happens money buys it whether Man City were behind the pack at the time and went against the rules well UEFA found that they didn't really or didn't sanction them the FA didn't want to bring the charges it's the Premier League that are bringing the charges against them so you know. well, we have to remember too I suppose and I, 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 as a Liverpool fan obviously it stung the fact that City won the league by a single point on two occasions <laughs> over the last four years I can't get away from that and I, I should probably or should they bet United on goal difference yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, but yeah. they were also banned from this competition for two years by UEFA and only for the Court of Arbitration of Sport overruled that Exactly. So it's overall. So the, is so the whole thing not? But the governing body that may have to hand out the trophy to Manchester that, City. That's one anthem gets under. booed by the Man City fans. It doesn't. It feels very off. Am I wrong? As an emotion, even if we take away all the rules, regulations, whether it's right, whether it's wrong, the whole thing seems to have this cloud over, over it. Is it that you feel that Madrid have bought the Champions League? 
No, I think uh, Shane loses to Man United there. Real Madrid are in the same echelon in terms of they're able to generate their own revenue to an extent. Now, yeah. we don't know the ins and outs of the whole thing, and I don't think I would or, or any of you would claim to be as educated as we'd like to be on the topic. But, I mean, Manchester City commercial Manchester City's commercial revenues over the last two years, I believe, have been the highest of any soccer club in the world. That can't be right. With the fan base they have. With the greatest of respect. They can't fill out the stadium. They can't fill the stadium. I mean, there, there is that cloud over all of this, which seems to tire the whole competition. For many people. Not for Manchester City fans. Of course they can dwell in their success, but... But then we're just then it, that's kind of coming down to questioning where the money is being generated on a commercial level. The money is being pumped back into the club. The money is buying all these world class players, and then they're going off and they're winning the competitions because they have the best of players. Yeah. Well, it's whether it's legal or not to move away from Manchester City <laughs> for a minute. Uh, has this been the worst Champions League ever? Ah, it's been a bit tired. I was kind of excited. I think we've been spoiled though. We've been we've been spoiled by big game by big, big semi- games. Like there hasn't been a penalty shootout in the Champions League since the uh, knockout stages, obviously since 2016. Well, Ga- games have been decided on the pitch, you know, and that's great to see. Yeah, I don't like winning anything, yeah. even if I'm playing football manager. I don't like winning something <laughs> in penalties. Yeah, but wait, it, say, what did you win the other night on penalties? I, I bet Liverpool on penalties in the Champions, in the Champions League, League finals. Yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> you can check more on them, the football manager yes, football show exactly. podcast released on Friday. But um, I. <laughs> maybe football has lost a bit of its allure because the likes of PSG are coming in and they're absolutely spending obscene amounts of money on uh, players but then why can't PSG win the Champions League why can't they get through the quarterfinals because they're stages? in a nothing league in Ligue 1 they're, they're absolutely going to town on every team but they've, uh, bought, all these, they've bought all these world class players as well in the same way that, that are not consistently playing against the top opponents Man City are Manchester United Liverpool Chelsea but are City Arsenal. Really? they get like you look at Brighton Brighton a, puts a dozen games in the season hmm? a dozen games in the Premier League season for City where they've got quality opposition varying no, like on, on elite opposition the, the, and then the, the rest Premier, of the Premier League in a, in a, of itself is an absolute monster financially you look at, at championship clubs you go from 1 to 20 maybe 1 to 15 you're going to get a top match where you look at how far Brighton have come with the payments that yeah. they've yeah, made yeah, from the yeah. Premier League and the, and the clever stuff that they've done with transfers every team is a tough game I look at Man United versus Wolves again I'm like oh no it's Wolves. And then next week, I'm like, Aston Villa, Unai Emery. You're like, oh, no. Spurs, you're like, ah, that's grand. But, <laughs> it, like, there's top opposition at every turn, and City blow them away on a consistent basis. I think they've lost, what, three, four times already this year? But that's about it. They've peaked at the right time, as you and me talked about earlier. PSG aren't playing that every yeah. week. Bayern Munich aren't playing that every week. Real Madrid arguably aren't playing that every week. I, I think Rafael Varane came out and said it. He was like, maybe we'd have four or five tough games every year. After that, it's it, it's fine for our caliber. We can blow it away. In the Premier League, every game seems like a must win because people are competing for that top four. People are trying to survive relegation. Like, you have good teams going down, decent teams going down, you know? So, um, I, I the Premier League is an absolute monster when it comes to... the. 
the money that has been pumped into clubs based on their appearances in the Premier League and what the clubs have been able to do coming off that yeah on the commercial side so with with all of that said then and, and if, if PSG can't get past the competition's latter stages and get to a final and get to a Champions League final and win like Champions League is still the one that's eluding PSG despite the billions that they have pumped into the club if that's coming down to not being able to face world class or elite opposition week in week out should we then be expecting Man City to be semi-final and final stages of the Champions League for the next few years yeah, Sh- one, should we be seeing English clubs constantly in the semi-finals that's why they, they, they want the European Super League that's why Juventus and uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid are still holding on for that hope because they are acutely aware of what is happening in England mm. the biggest games in the world are going to happen with the with the Premier League the marketing behind it everything it's just designed for pure want to watch it the biggest stars are going there now whereas the biggest stars used to always go to uh, the the Spanish clubs and yeah. some still are but going over to Serie A Serie A used to attract so many of them you know Syria doesn't really get shown BT Sport do Syria now but yeah. like the Premier League is watched all over the world even Sibitzer when he, he coming from a huge club like Bayern Munich he's like playing for Manchester United is a different animal Manchester United have won their first trophy in six years and it was a Carabao Cup mm. but playing with United is a different animal and that's all because of the, the, the Premier League Manchester United have helped aid and abet the, the, this financial monster that they're a part of so yeah I will 100% expect Manchester City to continue dominance domestically and flourish inter- or internationally or continentally or whatever way you want to put it if that financial fair play thing doesn't smack them back down to the Van der Marmel conference <laughs> <laughs> and before we look at the final itself next season's Premier League the title race is all but run uh, City are going to win their third in a row five out of the last six are we reliant on Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool coming back to have any sort of a title race? Do Arsenal just need to slightly improve to make it a title race? Or can one of Chelsea, Tottenham, Newcastle or Man United get a bit closer to Manchester City? And I think even close probably isn't enough for a lot of fans now. We want a different champion really come 2024, don't we? I think I think we'd probably be better served if we had a different champion every year. Yeah. Uh, you know, from the fan side, like... And again, maybe this is coming from a Liverpool side of things of course, where, where yeah, you're yeah. sick of seeing United tearing up the Premier League for years and it's title after title after title and maybe there's a spell where Chelsea get a few wins and now they've been knocked back a peg or two and now it's City after City after City after City, Liverpool squeeze in there, came close twice. Um, Newcastle will spend. Yeah, I don't think they'll get to Champions level but they should be knocking around the European stages for the next couple of years. United will spend, should be title contenders because they'll be sick of the sight of seeing Man City Will United spend if the takeover is complete? Not complete I should say Uh, If the take I think the takeover will be complete one way or the other I I don't know whether like the talk coming into the weekend was that there was going to be this additional offer from the Qataris that were going to have even more money again thrown behind it Apparently a fourth bid went straight to the Glazers as opposed to going through the Rain Group which is where uh that's who's handling the sale yeah. uh, a lot of Manchester United fans are quite concerned that uh, Sir Jim Radcliffe from Ineos hasn't really specified what he's going to do with the debt hasn't really specified what he's going to do with the stadium which is not in the greatest of Nick I've been there before I've seen it myself still awe-inspiring but it's it's nothing compared to other stadiums in the world whereas the Qatari investor 
has come out and said I'm going to clear the debt would you like to have him as the owner I like it's hard to and this is right this is going full circle right because when I'm talking about Man City and you're talking about Astros and all that beside their name because I wasn't the biggest fan of watching the World Cup and I've actually missed out on a lot of great football because of it Um, when it comes to being a football fan because we're well gone past the working class roots of what soccer is yeah. right when it comes to being a football fan the only thing now that you can enjoy is literally the 90 minutes on the pitch which is arguably what you should enjoy but sometimes there used to be this prestige and love that comes with supporting a prestigious club right unfortunately here in Kilkenny we don't have a club to support and, and, and Carlo hopefully Carlo Kilkenny can fill that void for us but all you can now focus on is actually the football that plays and not the melodrama that is around everything. Because if I'm looking at Man City last night, I've seen an awesome football team. An awesome football team. That's why I just like to see Manchester United have. The means in which they go about it, if you start thinking about that, which is very, very valid, it's going to turn you off the game altogether. I really think that. And I, and I think, for me... A lot of the time over the past 10 years, it was like supporting Mars Bar United instead of Manchester <laughs> United because of the commodity that is Man United and yeah. the, mm-hmm. the merchandising that goes behind it. Ed Woodward once described it to Jurgen Klopp as Disneyland when he was trying to get him to come and sign for United. If you focus on all that stuff and all the absurdity about the players and Pogba doing dances and Jesse Lingard on TikTok and all that, if you focus on that, you're quickly going to fall out in love with the game. And I love the game of, of football, like 100% with a passion that's why we invest in it here on Scoreline that's why we get involved in our local district teams and our junior teams because we love football Yeah, and I love watching the best players play football for a club that I grew up supporting it's certainly it's certainly tired and you whatever with UEFA and FIFA the governing bodies and now the clubs and clubs been sold to, to not just foreign investors but to states but between 90 minutes you get to sit down, watch a match, and you get to cheer on a side. There's nothing like it. And there's nothing like the Champions League final. And we all love football, as you rightfully said, Shane. So it's the biggest annual event the sport has to offer. Is there any way Inter Milan can win this? If you think back to 2010, <laughs> you know, they, 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 they weren't going to win that with Jose. Was it 2010 or 2011? 2010, yeah. Yeah. They weren't going to win that with Jose and then he put on a masterclass. Can a masterclass be done against the peak, a peak Manchester City side? I mean, that was, a, that was an Inter Milan side, sorry to interrupt you, Shane, with Julio Cesar, Mike Conn, Lucio, Walter Samuel, Esteban Cambiasso, Dejan Stankovic, Javier Zanetti, Well, Inter have, Ed, Inter have Edin Seco. Yeah. Wolfsburg, great, and that man City. Wesley he, Snyder, par- yeah. Samuel Eto. I mean, these were world-class players at the time. Inter would probably have won if they're lucky. And did they even have one? The what what did they do? Sit in? I mean, Real Madrid sit in on Wednesday night and we've seen... What Madrid didn't press them. That was the biggest mistake for Madrid. Madrid, like, I know we're supposed to be talking about the final, the semi-final. That was, that was the biggest disappointment. If Inter turn up any way looking to play in the way that Madrid did. Madrid got 13 touches of the ball in the first 15 minutes of the game. <sighs> Yeah. There's 120 something passes that that City put through yeah. on that. If City hit that in the first quarter of an hour against an Inter that haven't looked good in the semi final, 
haven't looked really good in the like they're not blowing teams away but if you look at it the, the two best teams that Man City have faced in this incredible run that they've had really since after the international break in March and really since after the World Cup were probably Arsenal and Real Madrid two polar opposites approach in the sense that Arsenal tried to press and pushed up high and De Bruyne and Haaland just absolutely killed them with the space in behind Yeah. Wednesday night we've seen Real Madrid sit as deep as a side that as anyone that's faced going in hard tackles you just look at some of the frees that Jack Grealish got yesterday he's rivaling old school Ronaldo and Suarez and stuff for diving at this stage it looks like a simulation or whatever but he's getting away with no, it he's, he's clever but he's yeah. very clever about it so I man I don't. if I knew how to beat Manchester City I wouldn't be managing <laughs> Castle Warren Celtic honestly I don't know this is all just fan talk and, and fun talk but you look at Inter Milan they finished 17 points behind Napoli third in Syria they conceded at least a goal a game I think they played what, 35 and there's they've conceded 37 mm. goals maybe in Syria so they're going to concede just if they can score I'm just jealous that Darmian, and Mkhitaryan and Lukaku reached the Champions League final before doing anything <laughs> with Man United <laughs> Ashley Young you shouldn't have left you shouldn't sure, have left Inter sure. good way to finish up thanks lads La Hard Sunday Scoreline. Your music, your sports. With thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at La Hard's, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, LaHartsVolkswagen.ie. Now we're going to turn our attention to Carlo Camogie because I'm delighted to say that Carlo captain Kate Nolan joins me on the line. Kate, how are you this afternoon? I'm good, yeah, not a bother. How are you? Good, good. Uh, Kate. Yesterday it didn't go according to plan, obviously losing out to Kilkenny in the Leinster Intermediate Camogie final. Before we get on to what the future holds, how do you reflect on that performance and the result? Yeah, look, obviously um, it didn't go to plan for us yesterday. It was a very strong Kilkenny side. Um, I felt like we had a capability of of probably being a bit stronger, but as sport goes, um, just didn't go our way, unfortunately, but... Any day that you that you lose, I suppose, is a day to learn. So we'll obviously learn loads from it, and I'm sure it'll be um, to be good analysis done of it, and we can see how we can improve the other championships. So um, it's not all doom and gloom. It'll hopefully stand to us, and we can change a few things around in the future and um, give the all Ireland a good go. And it was really tight at half time, and then Kilkenny once Sarah Barco got that goal seemed to pull away in the second half while of course that will be bitterly disappointing now is that something that you can reflect on and use as a positive going forward? Yeah I think maybe half time kind of came at maybe a bad time for us we were kind of getting going and we were building momentum um, and I suppose it's obviously a, a natural stop at half time so we kind of didn't really come out of traps too hard in the second half um, so I suppose next time we'll make sure that we don't allow half time to kind of dampen our um, dampen how good we're going or whatever. So yeah, that's that's a big learning point for us, and just making sure that we come out of the traps as hard as we did in the second or in the first half uh, after half time. And it was a disappointing result yesterday, but I mean to reflect on the year so far ahead of the All Ireland series, a Division Three Camogie League title, an incredible performance and result in the league. And then you couple that with the fact that while it was disappointing yesterday, you did make a Leinster final and put in one hell of a performance, I must say, for a lot of that game. The season so far, it's been a tremendous success really, hasn't it? Yeah, it definitely has. Um, I had said it to the girls that if we could win the league, it would definitely be a turning point for Carlo Mogi. 
uh, we haven't had silverware now in the past couple of years, so it's nice to kind of uh, reap awards for the hard work that you've done. So yeah, it has been winning the league for us is massive. Um, and obviously for me, it was a, it was a real honour to captain the team. But it's nice to just show the girls that when you work hard, that there is um, there can be positive consequences. Because Carlo Cogi the last couple of years was it's not that it wasn't it wasn't a bad place, but it just kind of wasn't as going to plan. So yeah, it's we've we've had a good a good year so far. And how important is it, you mentioned there maybe that you're looking to improve Carlo Camogie generally, how important is it to see teams and to see you as captain lifting silverware, to embed a culture of success and always wanting to win within Camogie in the county? Yeah, well I think um, Carlo has probably seen a lot as, as a, a weaker or smaller county when it comes to uh, Camogie. Um, and I suppose as, as a young Camogie player in Carlo, the thought or the idea of even I suppose playing in Crow Park or winning national league titles or winning all Ireland titles is, uh, is some young girls think it's a far cry. So I suppose when you see girls that are, you know, that are down in your clubs and that are training yeah, and that are in an emotion winning stuff um, and playing in Crow Park and stuff is massive. So yeah, like it's it just goes to show the younger girls that um, you actually can be successful and no matter what club you're, no matter no matter what county you're from. Um, you know that if you want to be successful and you want to make a difference, that you'll be able to do it. So yeah, I think it's very important. What has your manager Peter Chapclear brought to the fold? Do you think, Kate? Because there seems to be a rejuvenation and an added energy to this Carlo panel that maybe was slightly missing in years gone by. Yeah, um, I spoke, from the very first phone call I got from Chap, it was obviously very positive. Um, Chap really believes in us this year um, and he just did a, a very good job of getting girls in and you know we've we've mostly the we've the most of the strongest girls in the county are in the county panel at the moment and you know he's he's a, he's a very good um, he's a tough decision picking teams but I suppose he has such a good rapport with the girls that anyone that's dropping so far still wanting to come back and make their mark and keep girls interested so um, I just think he kind of Reinstill that belief in us that Carlo Camogie, you know, when we put our shoulders to the wheel, that we actually can make a difference and that we can win. So, um, yeah, it's just just pure positivity, really, and um, just keeping the girls happy and stuff. So, he um, he was a good addition to Carlo Camogie this year. And just to get an insight into the workings of an inter-county team, Kate, there's a lot of talk, I suppose, about how inter-county players have had to become as close to professional as possible to perform at an elite level like yourselves. Has he in terms of obviously on the pitch performance has improved greatly which is brilliant to see but is there anything that you're doing off the pitch whether it be psychological work, strength and conditioning maybe some dietary work that has also improved you as players individually and brought you closer together as a collective? Um. Well, I just think that I suppose there's girls that whenever we're not making training, like like some to know is that any girls that are in Dublin, you know, they made their own WhatsApp group and they were doing their own bits up there. And um, we also brought in nutrition this year, so everybody have uh, watching what they're eating and making sure that you know when we're going training that we're going playing that we're we're fueled as best that we can. And um, I think it's just really that there's been such a buy-in from girls that they're I've, even when we're not on the pitch training that girls are trying to um, make sure that they're basically at their best as individuals and we come as a collective that the team is you know we're, we're at the best of our ability and we can really give it 110% so I just think it's it's the, the buy-in from the girls naturally 
you know, encourages girls that when they're not training, they're not in the jersey, they're not training, that they're doing whatever they can to make sure that they're um, at 100% for the team. And while Carlo supporters are definitely enjoying watching this team, are you enjoying it on an individual level, Kate? Yeah, I'm loving it. Um, winning the Division 3 League was one of the best days in the Carlo jersey for me, and I suppose captain that. Um, you know, I suppose added to that as well for me. But look, I'm really enjoying any day that I get to put on the Carlo jersey and you know go out and especially when Silvery is fantastic. And there's just a great and um, there's a great vibe in the team at the moment. You know, like there's when we go training, like there's there's a good bond and stuff. Um, and yeah, no, I'm really enjoying it. I just love playing for Carlo and I especially love catching against you. So I'm happy with the way I'm involved. Yeah, and that's the other thing I was going to pick up on, the fact that you're captain and the fact that you got to lift the league title. Um, we mentioned how special it was for Carlo Camogie, but for yourself on a personal level, I mean, that must have been one of the great moments in your sporting career, maybe even in your life. Yeah, it was fantastic. I've been knocking around Carlo Camogie now for a while. I think this is my 11th year playing, um, and I never, I captained the county once with due to COVID, unfortunately, the league was, um, was cut short, so... It's my first year actually counting or captain in the county, um, and it's only our second time ever we lived in the Division Three League. So I'm very honoured and privileged. I'm lucky enough to say that I was one of them captains. So um, it's massive for me. I, I, as I said before, I love playing for my county, but being the captain this year was definitely not a bonus. Does your role change at all when you become captain? You're obviously one of the more experienced players, as you said. There, an incredible 11 season with the Carlo team um, but does do you have to take on more of a leadership role as you become captain and as your years go on within the panel um, no not particularly uh, I give out when I'm not captain I give out when I'm captain <laughs> <laughs> like any good player I suppose, yeah I suppose the position that I play I play centre back usually so that's kind of naturally you have to try it. You're, you're seeing what's going on around you and you're calling people but then um, no not really much has changed and like when it comes to, as the cliche goes, I kind of go to other leaders on the pitch with plenty. So um, I kind of just, I, I kind of talk and shout and encourage you, as I usually do. So um, yeah, it's just really the, the honour of being captain, but nothing else really changes. The, the usual few are encouraging and that and keep and have a leadership role too. And Kate, we're kind of looking back there and speaking about the present situation, but to look forward the All-Ireland Series is coming up. What are your aims for that? Because our analyst here, Anya Farrell, says that you will be serious contenders to go all the way. Yeah, well, we, like, when, if you're looking at our group, um, I suppose we're, we're, we will be um, positive that maybe we could come out of our group. Um, I think it's the top two from our group go through. So um, I suppose, obviously, it's a match-by-match basis and you're, you're, you'd never... Um, take anything for granted but um, yeah like things are good um, or strong within the team and stuff and I think there really is a, a want and I think the girls know that we actually can be competitive uh, at online intermediate level so um, yeah look obviously everybody's dream when you're starting the online championship is, is to win it and to represent Carlo in Northern Ireland uh, finally in Crow Park but um, we're just going to, we'll just take it step by step uh, so we've Antrim first up and Antrim which should be tough but Again, we're, we feel like we're well capable of it and we'll give it a go. Do you feel as though, while obviously it's 
imperative for yourself on an individual level for all the players on an individual level and also collectively that you try and do it for this particular team for Carlo Camogie the more victories that you get and the more eye-catching victories you get and the further of course that you get into the championship do you think it will just allow there to be a platform for Camogie to really springboard in the future? Yeah definitely like and we and Camogie within Carlo will get the recognition that it deserves and um, I suppose when you have success the kind you actually you gain followers and you gain a bit more limelight. So um all we want in Carlo Camogie and for women in sports in general I suppose is that more of a is more of a following and you know, for people to be made aware of actually what's going on in the county and how well that we can do. So yeah, like it's obviously if if you're winning you're catching people's eye and stuff and um people will, will be following you and then, you know, you just want to be like you would like to think that you're and um, that inspiration for for young girls coming through, and if you, if it can encourage younger girls to get involved in Carlo Camogie, and um, therefore having kind of strong participation in um, Camogie and Carlo, you're winning really, I suppose. So yeah, it's um, we'll try keep we'll try keep the winning free going for that alone, even. <laughs> Kate Nolan thanks ever so much for joining me on the show today and the absolute best of luck with the All-Ireland group stage coming up thank you so much and thanks a million for having me on appreciate it now as I said uh, throughout the start of the show and throughout the duration of the show so far I sat down with 8 time All-Ireland winner with Kilkenny Michael Fenley a little bit earlier in the week to get his thoughts on Kilkenny's chances of ending their 8 year wait for an All-Ireland title here's what Michael had to say now I'm delighted to be joined by former Kilkenny minor hurler Michael Fenley at the launch of this year's Electric Ireland GAA Minor Championships. This summer, Electric Ireland will use their social channels to spotlight players from across the championships in recognition of the major impact that playing minor can have on young people's future successes on and off the field. You can follow the campaign on social media at Electric Ireland and via the hashtag This Is Major. Uh, Michael, how are you first of all? Good, Robbie, and yourself? Yeah, all good, all good. Um, we obviously know you renowned success with the Kenny senior side and Ballyhale Shamrocks over the years, Michael, but just to get your perspective on the minor side of things, how critical is it to develop as a hurler come minor time? Look, I, th- I think it's it's important, Robbie. All right, you know it's not not to be all end all either. Um, at the moment, our minor is under seventeen, so again, they're, they're still very young, to be honest. Uh, Sixteen, seventeen years of age, and you know, for me, they're still they still are in that development um, stages. Um, so, um, but yeah, I think it's um, the spotlight on it is good. It's nice, nice to have it, um, but I, I wouldn't be getting nobly concerned on. On that, on that side of things like you know I can see players that are late, bloomer, late bloomers as well so it's not necessarily the be all, be all end all if it doesn't go particularly well you'd always love your, your team to be competing you know in semi-finals in all Ireland without a doubt um, but you know some, some of them can be late bloomers and what do you think has been the key change between obviously changing from under 18 to now going back to under 17 um, I suppose look in terms of size maybe like you know an extra year like definitely um, you bigger uh, and more physical players um, maybe another year of maturity as well now I know that the reason behind it is the leaving cert and trying to you know keep players out of that um, in terms of balance, balancing the books and hurling um, so look they are a bit younger than any players in there playing, who are playing in it who are 16 that becomes quite younger again so um, so look I, I don't have any major grass with it to be honest you know um, I don't think too much about it 
Uh, I think they're still very, very young. They're still the, the development side of, side of things. I know on a fixture side of things, it's quite useful for, for county boards in terms of um, putting in fixtures for senior and minor because obviously for 17, you can't hurl for senior. So I think that's one obviously big bonus um, in terms of the fixture listing. But otherwise than that, yeah, look, I, I don't see anything major with it, no, to be honest. So look, and other people have, have who, are, who are on the ground at that age group might, might have something different to say, but it doesn't normally bother me. And just generally with the Kilkenny minor team, Michael, um, what have you made of them so far? Last day out, of course, they lost to Galway in the Leinster Championship. Final guys. Yes, look, that, that Galway team is quite strong. And I think that would have been uh, signalled even like much earlier in the year. I would have seen that game here um, in Nolan Park there, maybe about maybe eight weeks ago now at this stage. Um, and, and they look very impressive. And I suppose young, young Nyland is definitely one for the future. Um, in terms of his, his ability at that age, like you know, a very very impressive young man. But you know, look, I think the, look the Kenny side things is still strong. You know, we have Kieran's College there, obviously still competing and winning all earns. You know, in, in the schools, which is very positive. And um, and look, for the Kenny here, we're always looking to, to try and win all earns. Uh, there's always big expectations, and you can't have that every single year. Like you know, so. So hopefully, look, we will keep progressing and look keep keep developing more than anything, I suppose, and getting our players up to the level that we need them to. And just a final one on this, Michael. Obviously, we're concentrating on the minor side of things, but just generally, the Kilkenny underage structures at the moment and where we're at when it comes to underage side of things. Would you be happy with the overall picture, or do you think certain things need to change for us to continue to improve and to strive to become um, All Ireland champions at senior level? Yeah, look, I think there's always improvements you can make, Robbie. Um, and I think, look, look, ironically enough, um, I'm going into a role uh, over the coming weeks in, 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 in on that side of things, on the performance side of things. So it's a part-time role. And again, we'll probably talk a little later, maybe in the next number of months about it in terms of what's happening. But I'll be looking after the development squads and the minor and under 20 in terms of coach education and player pathway. So it's very positive to see Kenny making steps in that direction to try and uh, start hiring people on a part-time basis at the minute um, in terms of helping out with those teams and helping out with coach education and also touching into the clubs maybe at some stage as well. But that all needs to be... um, that all needs to be planned out, I suppose, uh, in the coming months. Um, but yeah, that, that's very exciting for Kikenny, I think. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, we'll see more of that happening in the coming years. And if we move it on to the senior side of things, then, Michael, obviously, um, kind of, you know, midway through the Leinster Championship campaign, looking like they're going to qualify for the All-Ireland Series. What have you made of Kilkenny so far in the Leinster Championship and just generally under Derek Ling? Yeah, look, I think I think it's been good. Um have been, you know, they were impressive enough here at, at different stages against Galway, I think. And the control that game well in the second half. And um, and we're definitely, you know, for me, the better team. Um, obviously, we missed a few wides that day, a few easy wides that could have, um, you know, stretched the lead at different stages. So, uh, so no, look, I think, like, no, a year makes a big difference uh, in terms of size, maturity, experience. And I think a lot of those guys now are, you know, they have another year under the belt. Um, and you know you'd be hoping that we can push a bit further this year uh, in terms of contending for an All Ireland. But I suppose first and foremost is just qualifying in the round robin and getting through to a Leinster final. That'd be Derek's main goal, and uh, and see what happens from there. I suppose you know. But no, I, I, I'm I'm happy from what I'm seeing. Obviously, there's games there where Kikini are probably hot favourites going into. Um, and you know you would like to see maybe more competitive games to try and you know like, like competitive games will bring that team on further. Like you know so. That's something I suppose that might concern me a small bit. 
And is there anything in particular, whether it be individuals, a style of play, anything at all that has caught your eye that maybe has been different or has been improved on this year compared to maybe last year even? Um, I I see maybe a, a little difference maybe in, in puck out strategy. I see the lads are trying to maybe um, try and set up a little differently. I think that's something that sticks out. All right, you would still like you know it's, I still would like to see the boys um, you know not giving away possession too easy. Sometimes I think we're still striking on the back foot from the fence when, when when basically there's another better option on maybe to try and work that ball out or or to try and hold on to it. Sometimes we just hit it blindly, it goes straight back down to the defence and, you know, next thing they're, they're on the attack. So just keeping that possession for a bit longer, I think maybe if they can. Uh, Limerick do it very, very well. They're obviously the benchmark at the moment for it. Um, but just even look, I think I think size even, like, you know, I, I see Tommy Welch looks stronger this year. I, I think, you know, uh, Mikey Carter back there, you know, looks stronger again this year. They've another year under the belt. So I think even the, phys- the physical side of things, you know, is, is impressive in terms of the lads and, and hopefully, as I said, that like, you know, you're playing like some Limerick and these other teams who are quite big and you do need to have that physical presence um, and hopefully the hurdle will come on with that then as well. And when we talk about the sort of change in the style of play, which a lot of experts have said maybe was coming into force under Brian Cody anyway, but in a, in a potentially in a game in the championship down the line where maybe the crowd are getting tetchy, Kilkenny are trailing early doors like they were maybe against Tipperary in the second round of the league this year. How important is it for Kilkenny to be successful this year to kind of stick to their convictions, whether it's in good times or in bad, and to stick to the game plan that Derek Ling and his coaching staff outline? Yeah, look, look, that's going to be important, obviously, um, and obviously you have probably. You have different uh, norms, I suppose. You're used to different situations, maybe over the years. But um, well, look, I suppose look in the past, can anybody would have went long an awful lot of times when maybe they should have changed up a little. Um, and that's no criticism of anybody, really, to be honest. Um, and this year, you, you just you need to be able to mix it, Robbie. You need to be able to mix it going long and going short, and then and the player themselves to make that decision. Like that's what it comes down to. Um, you can't just have one style of play where it's all long or you can't have one style of play where it's all short. You have to be able to mix it and adapt it and make the right decision, basically. So um, obviously we've seen different tactics in Munster and that, like, you know, so you don't want to make it too confusing either. Like, you know, um, simplistic is, 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 is important. But that does that does take time to embed into a team without a shadow of a doubt, especially, especially if you're doing, trying to do something a little more drastic. But I, I don't see that in Kenny, to be honest. I don't think there's going to be too drastic. It's just maybe a couple of tweaks here and there that could, could help things um, and, and make life maybe a little easier. And we'll come on to Munster and maybe the, the happenings there. But just briefly, Uncle Kenny, Michael, is there an All-Ireland in this team, do you think? Obviously, it's been eight years, which is a long wait on this side of, uh, this side of the country, as you know well. But do you think we have enough to get over the line? Yeah, I genuinely don't think we're too far from it. Um, over the years, like you know, I, I think we, um, we have exceeded expectations in some ways. I think maybe to get into finals and uh, and getting so far, um, and that's just been genuine. Like you know, I, I just I think to see this team, they're more experienced. Um, you know, I, I I don't think that we're too, overly too far off uh, the, the top teams. Like we're we're still up there in the top four without a doubt. But um, you know, with a healthy TJ Reid. Uh, I think that's going to be part. I think the health of the panel is going to be so important here. Like, you know, Paddy, Paddy Deegan has been missing for a few weeks. Um, young Billy Drennan was, was a new find kind of this year. Again, he, he had a, an injury as well. So I, I don't think we can 
we can be contenders with that many injuries. I think we need a full healthy panel and that can dictate a lot of teams in terms of who they have and who they don't have. So um, we'll see how that space turns out or what happens in that space. And just you mentioned him there, just a final one on Kilkenny, TJ Reid. I think he's going to be Kilkenny's oldest player since um, the famous goalkeeper, of course, Noel Skeen, when he lines out uh, in the remainder of this Leinster Championship campaign. You know him better than most. Um, he's a phenomenal athlete. How how has he managed to stay at the top of his game and the top of hurling for the last, it's, it's close to 20 years now, remarkably? Yeah, it's a, it's a long, long time. Um, I look, TJ always had that ability, that skill level. Like, you know, obviously he, he didn't just lick it off the grass or anything or off the ground. He, um, put in, put in the hard yards when he was a young kid, um, and became very skillful, very talented. And, you know, he could do things with the ball that, you know, that, that I could see that most players couldn't. So he had that ability. And, um, and then I suppose he ended up turning himself into, you know, a machine in terms of his physique, his strength and his power and, and has put an awful lot of focus and effort on that and still has the, the skill, the high, high skill level, skill level that most players don't have. Like, you know, so he's kept both of them going at a very high level. And, uh, and again, look, he's, he's been very consistent for, for Kikeni and for Ballyhill over all those years. Like, you know, so it's a credit to him and, uh, and the fact that he's still doing it, like, you know, and, and he's commenced a new family as well in terms of, um, a new child, like you know, so he, he has uh, a bit more going on in, on the family side of things, but he's still he's still able to balance it, which is great to see. Yeah, it, it is incredible, and obviously we hope he leads Kilkenny to a Leinster Championship and an All Ireland this year. One team that won't be winning an All Ireland or ending their weight is Waterford. A lot of talk about them this week. They've lost their first three games in Munster. They're out of the round robin again with a game to play against Tipperary. What do you make of all the furore around that? I mean, it's been a really, really tough opening year for Davy Fitzgerald. What's your opinion on Waterford? Yeah, like it's it's been been difficult for Waterford. No, God, I do feel for the players down there. Um, you know, it's been a, a, a topsy turvy couple of years, to be honest. Um, you know, they were looking quite good and quite strong under Liam Cal, and I suppose you know they lost their last two games in their own robin and kind of just just fell apart. But like up until then, they were they got to the semi final of the All Irelands um, the year previous. Um, you know, probably didn't set up particularly well from from being at that game and seeing that game against Limerick. I thought they would have a bit more smarter with how they set up but, um, but the following year they obviously won the league very impressive um, started well in their own Robin from memory and then just fell apart and um, again injuries have been have been a big in, in, uh, factor I think in, in Waterford as well like Jamie Barron Austin Gleeson Kai Borka. like some of these players have you know really struggled with injury and they're key men um, and you can't afford to lose that amount of players Um like, I, I think there's definitely a lot of quality in Waterford. I still see there's quality there, to be honest. Like, um, quality is not an issue for me uh, in terms of looking at them. I think they are an exciting team. Um, it, it, it hasn't been a disappointing year for, for them. It's been a disappointing league and a very disappointing round robin. Um, you know, I was thinking maybe the league was a league and they might pick it up uh, when it came to round robin, but it never came to fruition. They did, they did, they did challenge what our Limerick. Um, you know, they did push him, uh, particularly in that second half. But some of their other kind of plays within the game, within those games, have, have been dismal, to be honest. And um, and tactically, it does look like they did set up. You know, it was kind of confusion for them, and not only for other teams. Maybe it was confusion for the players because um, again, when you have Desi Hutchinson playing out, 
out, out quite far in the field, having no real goal opportunities, not even you know not scoring goals in three games, and maybe only hitting seventeen points. And again, they, they have quality within that those that forward line, like you know. So, um, so again, again look, let's go back to early last year. You know, very impressive under Liam Cal. Um, so there is plenty of quality there, and look, you'd be hoping to to see them kind of ri- rise up to it again, maybe next year. But um, yeah, a very disappointing year for those Warford players in management. And just in terms of your former Kilkenny teammate Jackie Turrell had mentioned last weekend that the players have to look at themselves. Obviously, you mentioned there that maybe the players are confused and um, lacking in confidence. Who is responsible for the plight of Watford hurling this year? And just generally, do you think is it? Davy Fitzgerald coming in, he's received a lot of criticism. Or do the players have to look at themselves, do you think, over the last four or five years, they've been really poor when it's come to the Munster round robin? Yeah, look, I, I'm not here to point fingers, Robbie, to be honest, and I haven't been with, haven't been in the camp, um, you know, or anything like that. Like, so it'd be a bit naive of me, I think, to be honest, to be making statements on where they're, where, where they're at fault. Um, I think there's quality players there, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, they were impressive um, under Liam Cal's first year, like really impressive. Um, and for half or most of last year, they were quite impressive, obviously as well. Until until things went 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 south. Um, so look, yeah, I, I don't know the ins and outs to be honest. Are the reasonings for it? Um, to, to be straight with you, I know their underage systems uh, are their, under, their underage setup is, is not overly good. From what I'm hearing in terms of the amount of games that they've been losing, um, so that needs definitely an eye on that. Um, and they probably need to like Noel. Um, Noel was actually talking there, former uh, former player for uh, for Waterford. He was talking there. Noel Connors. Noel Connors. Noel Connors. Yeah. Noel had a, had a good talk there. You know, talked a lot of sense. Like, and again, what, what he's saying is. Just we need to we need to employ people basically to put in more coach education, set up maybe hubs in in Waterford and start maybe coaching the coaches like just just going to those basics like they're they're quite simplistic things but they do require hiring people they do require an investment um and and how 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 high the game has gone and level to the games are are gone you know there is an element for that in some counties without a doubt so um. Yeah, look, it's very difficult for me to point the finger on anyone, and I wouldn't, to be honest. Uh, there could be a number of different things, and, um, and look, hopefully, Watford can can get back to the heights that they, they, they can get to uh, next year. Uh, Michael Fenley, always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, best wishes with everything in the future. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks so much. Now, Carrick Shock, GA and Camogie Club are leading the way as the first sports club in Kilkenny with their own mobile club app powered by Clubspot. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by the club's PRO, Stevie Cal, to chat a little bit more about it. Now, Stevie, how are you, first of all? Good, Robbie. How are you? Very good, very good. Um, this is really interesting news, Stevie. Could you elaborate on it a bit more and explain to myself and our listeners what exactly is happening with Carrick Shock? Yeah, Carrick Shock, GA and Camogie have uh, got together, Robbie, and this, we, 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 we're launching our own app, um, thanks to Clubspot. Uh, we believe we're the first Kilkenny GA club to do so, and um, so they tell us anyway. And, um, we, 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 I spoke to their, uh, marketing department, Podge, uh, Podge Gill, he's lovely. He, he, he gave us a quick call there about, um, you know, the benefits of the app, and it was kind of, I suppose, it came at the right time for us because, again, we're a small rural club. Uh, you know, we're looking at growing our membership and obviously uh, trying to fundraise maybe down the future as well. So this app kind of fits, you know, uh, fits all the, the, the requirements we, we, we need. So I suppose 
the first thing would be memberships, Robbie. We're hoping to streamline and manage our memberships and, and, and get as you know, it'll reduce a little bit of the admin work and um, hopefully grow our membership as well, you know, which we badly need and badly want, uh, like a lot of clubs, because, you know, especially in the non-playing category, you'd have a lot of people that would be involved with your GA club, but not necessarily a member. So we're hoping to grow our membership. That would be one of the benefits. This app is kind of... Uh, very, very easy to navigate through and to, to user-friendly. So, again, there's a lot of options on it to purchase your memberships. And, again, for exporting for us and stuff, it just it, w- it will hopefully reduce the admin work that's involved in that as well. Uh, then, I suppose, going down the road, maybe if we'd like to uh, develop maybe our grounds or something down the road, uh, you know, or uh, undertake any kind of upgrades, there is an option for fundraising, and, you know, that's, I suppose, a big thing as well. A lot of clubs would have their lotto, split the pot, 50-50, all those kind of uh, fundraising, um, you know, activities. And, 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 again, we're no different. So this would be, uh, I suppose, streamline that, that revenue income as well, and hopefully people will be able to purchase online, you know, with a, a, a lot of ease. We're, we're, we're probably at a time now where, you know, um, not everybody's on social media, Robbie. So if you're trying to throw stuff out there, you know you will catch a certain amount of people, depending on the algorithms and the organic reach of your your social channels. We're hoping that with the app, there would be a push notification that again we could reach everybody who has the app. Uh, you know, in a, in, in Carrick Shock, and I suppose that's the main thing then that they'll be able to log in, buy their tickets or whatever we, we might be doing. We might be running an event or holding a ball or whatever, dinner dance, whatever it might be, and people will be able to see and purchase uh, without having to, I suppose, go. No, we're still going to have our local options where our shops and our pubs where you can purchase tickets and paper tickets and stuff like that as well for Lotto. But again, other other kind of uh, revenue um, uh, streams that we might tap into down the future for such development or upgrades. Again, we'll be able to, you know, even raffles and stuff like that. Uh, we'll be able to do it all through the app. It'll be a one-stop shop, Robbie. Um, that's, I suppose, the, that's where we came from. That uh, WhatsApp groups are our main form of communication at the moment for the likes of training and matches and stuff. And, and again, all the coaches would be sending out uh, all those messages, which everybody is kind of familiar with. This would enable anybody that uh, has a phone, so any any of our underage members in, in GA and Camogie that, you know, would be maybe 12, 13 up or whatever age they might be and have their own phones, that they can actually download this app. It's GDPR friendly, you know, as well. So they'll be able to log in and see their own training schedule, their own matches. And again, it will kind of take a little bit of the onus off the parents having to always be the, the responsible one for such things like that. And what are the main advantages? I know you've touched on a lot of them there, Stevie, but what do you think are the main positives and benefits to the club by getting this app? Uh, I suppose, as I said to you, Robbie, the, the, the big thing would be our memberships, uh, our revenue. We're hoping to grow some sort of revenue from this as well. And again, communication. It's important for a lot of our underage members, especially, Robbie. You know that uh, we, we've been saying this all along. If you played a match or you've, you, you know, you've, you've, you've taken part in some sort of a game you'd love to see a match report about that as well and we have that option on that now as well we're going to be publishing our own match reports we've already started to do it uh, with our under 13s and and so on and our underage um, teams so potentially those kids especially we're talking about would be able to log in on their app and see a match report about a match they've played in and again I know the likes of your good selves will cover as much as you can but it's not humanly possible to be covering every game, and especially those underage games, Robbie, as well. So, again, we'll be getting a lot of buy-in from, from our members as well that they'll be able to see upcoming fixtures, past events, uh, match reports and stuff. It'll all be there in a one-stop shop, which is our app. And just generally, Stevie, I know you're involved with the Kilkenny District Soccer League as well. Do you think apps like these are the way forward for clubs like Carrick Shock and like other sports clubs as well? 
I actually do, Robbie. Yeah, personally speaking, you know, as I said, it's very hard to hit every one of your demographics or your 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 audience through social channels alone because. A lot of the social channels, they're, they're hit and miss sometimes, you know. It depends on your your organic reach and it depends on the algorithms from those channels then as well. They might not necessarily want to push out, you know, an under-11 fixture ahead of, you know, I don't know, a picture of Beyonce or whatever else that you're competing with at the same time. So, uh, again, with, with the app, it'll be, you know, we're hoping that it'll be easy to navigate, especially for all, for all of our members, you know, old and young, that they'll be able to log in and, uh, you, you know, very easily um, uh, see the fixtures that are coming up so that's what we're hoping for and finally Stevie the club generally looking forward to the year ahead now I suppose you know we're getting to the stage where uh, hurling starts to peak in terms of participation at underage levels and then obviously later in the year the intermediate side will be out along with the junior teams Um, how is the club going? Yeah, yeah, we're not too bad. I know, obviously, Richie and the lads for the intermediate team there have had their first out and uh, last week didn't go, you know, the way they wanted, obviously, but they come up against a very, very, very strong St. Stephen's team who had Brian Cody on the sideline, a lot of senior <laughs> players there as well. So, uh, you know, that would be hard for any intermediate team, I suppose. But, uh, look, m- missing a few players there as well on the day as well, but hopefully when they have the whole gang together and everybody's fit, you'd hope that, you know, that uh, they'll hold their own, I suppose, at intermediate level. That's all you can... Hope for at a club like uh, Carrick Shock, Robbie. When you you know mem- you know we don't have the I suppose players that other clubs would have available. You know the numbers are are the numbers. You can only play with the cards are dealt. And again, our our Camogie team, just to mention them as well, they would have won a lot over the last few years, and it's great for them to see them uh, up and coming as well. They've moved up a grade, and they're doing. They're hopefully going to do well this year as well. Brilliant stuff, Stevie Carl. Thanks a million for stopping by and chatting to us today. Thank you very much, Robbie. That is Carrick Shock GA and Camogie Club PRO Stevie Cal catching up with us on Scoreline about Carrick Shock being the first sports club in Kilkenny with their own mobile club app, which is powered by Clubspot. A lot more still to come on Scoreline. La Hard Sunday Scoreline. Your music, your sports. Without to the full range of Skoda vehicles at La Hard, the home of Skoda in Kilkenny. LaHardSkoda.ie. Now, as promised, here's Kilkenny minor manager Niall Bergen catching up with the media after his side's All Ireland semi final defeat to Clare yesterday. It was a great performance by your team from the very start. I mean, there was heroes all over the place, a big change. Ah, sure. Yeah, look, disappointed, obviously, but we lost the game. We came here to win the game, um, and we didn't, we didn't win the game. Uh, fair play to Clare. They're the better team. Obviously, life became very, very difficult for us when you're, you have 52 minutes to play with 14 men. That's what happens. That's what happens, and that's life. Um, to, to a man, the boys battled and battled and battled, and uh, look, we, we can't fault them. They're a standing bunch, and uh, I said it in defeat. I've said it in victory. We're so proud of them, and uh, we really mean that. Leaving today, we're very proud as well. You showed a great sense of self-preservation, self-pride, and courage out there today. That's what's synonymous with you, Kenny players. They're never beaten. No, look, they're, they're they're never beaten. The lads will the lads will go and go and go, and they did that today again. Um, look, their attitude and the whole lot has been their attitude the whole lot has been top class all year. We wanted to brush up on our hurling a bit, and we felt we did at times, and then at other times we're turning over ball. But at the end of the day, that's down to the pressure Clare put on as well. We they're monster champions, they're monster champions for a good reason, um, and uh, they showed that as well in fairness. So commenting on the sending off, it was it was it mattered at the end of the day, didn't it? Then I am commenting on it, really. <laughs> but, no. but no, I did, it did. 15 against 14. Look, yeah. I haven't seen it. Um, I haven't seen it. Um, but look, 15 against 14, obviously. 15 against 15 against the Munster Champions is going to be tough. And 15 against 14 is going to make it extremely tough. But by God, going in a point down at half time, we actually took the lead at the start of the second half. Um, but Clare came back and back and back. And look, they're a, they're a very, very good side. And I wish them the very best of luck in the final as well.
Well, just to make it a small bit easier for we saw the sending off. We thought it was very harsh. We spoke to a lot of media people and punters, including care people. And I know you didn't see it and you can't comment, but we make it easier for you. It was a harsh sending off. Okay, look, it was on the far side of the field. Um, look, Kenny, you're not a, not a county that make excuses. We get on with it, we get on with it, we go at it. Um, and look, if it, if it was harsh, it was harsh. I don't know. Um, and look, to be honest, I just I, I think in terms of what the lads did over the last 52 minutes of that game, plus injury time, was simply outstanding. Um, and fair play to them on that. They have bright futures. This is only a snapshot of their hurling careers. I think it will steal them and drive them on in the future as well. And that said, I just want to take away from Claire here. I think it's very important. They're a very good team. Um, they use the ball very, very well. Um, and um, they, they, they punished us with the extra man at the back. They punished us a lot of times. And fair play to them. And it'll take a very good team to beat them in the final. I was there by myself. I was right in front of us. There's no way that I would. I couldn't see that as a send enough. I thought it was very unfortunate on a player like that to be sent off. And, and you know, it happens, but definitely it was send enough. Okay. Um, look, what I will say, what I will say about Ed McDermott. I didn't see it. I, as in, it was too far away as a far side. But what I will say about Ed McDermott, what that man has put himself through to get himself on the field has been incredible. He was hit down with a hit with a serious illness last February, um, and he put himself through. He thought his season was over, but he put himself through a huge amount. He's been to hell and back in terms of trying to get himself on that field to help those men. And there won't be anything held against Ed. He's an outstanding individual, um, and he has one bright future for Kilkenny Twenties and Kilkenny at adult level as well um, that's for sure he didn't have a wide until the 50th minute it says a lot about your team right <laughs> I didn't know that either I didn't know that either man They'd have scored a few more points to our goals, but um, but no, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And we started to lob the ball in near the end, and I think it was an eight-point game. I don't know it was an eight-point game, but like, yeah, whatever it was. But um, in terms of we started to lob it in maybe near the end and that, and coughed up a few more chances or that. But um, yeah, look, uh, it sounds like we were pretty clinical in front of the post. I didn't know that. Um, but look, uh, look. at the end of the day, 23 points into 15. 15 probably won't get you over an All-Ireland semi-final or get you into a final. So look, the better team won and fair play better team won maybe they didn't your backs uh, didn't uh, for one minute let you down Clare never uh, got one I think possible goal chance we got one goal chance and back to what you said the likes of Killian Brennan who came back for Keelan Brennan Mark I know you're disappointed but the character shown by those young lads especially after the little talk and the conversations people had after the Galway event you'd have to be happy while disappointed happy with the yeah, performance yeah, yeah possibly possibly yeah I, I, no like like in terms of what the lot like I, I, there's two sides to it I think it's the work rate the attitude the effort and then obviously it's the skill level and the use of the ball and how we set out and I, I need to go back and look at it again obviously just to see right right across but it doesn't make, make it very very clear those boys are an outstanding group and they have, they have done unbelievable work since last October they're an outstanding group of fellas their parents have brought them here there and everywhere um, and the backgrounds they come from makes a huge difference as well um, and they're well grounded and as I said they will go places over the coming years gutted today 100% gutted extremely proud of every fella 1 to 33 as well um, and they'll pick themselves up they'll dust themselves down and they'll go again in the future Kilkenny minor manager Niall Bergen there after his side's 23 point 15 defeat in the All-Ireland Minor Hurling Championship semi-final. Now, here is Kilkenny Minor selector David Buggy catching up with our own Adrian Ronan after yesterday's All-Ireland Minor Hurling Championship semi-final. David Buggy, coach of the Kilkenny Miners, naturally disappointed after losing an All-Ireland semi-final, but you can be tremendously proud of the effort. Uh, 100%, uh, Adrian. We were we 
tried fierce hard we'd done all the work we'd worked the work fierce hard the young lads were really really good like the attitude right to the end it's very easy to give up when you're down to 14 men and um, but they didn't they kept going we brought on lads who tried his hard and just for young Ed McDermott I feel fair sorry for him anyone they talked to says it was harsh enough and I think it's a very big call to make on a, on a 17 year old buying an all in semi-final uh, but overall I thought some of the decisions just didn't go our way at right times in the game and, you, and some days you need the decisions to go for you if you're going to win matches I know we have to be so careful when we talk about referees but mm. today the referee came with a brief anything above the shoulders was a free and young McDermott there was no question today of a hand pass and there was a numerously legal half passes there is pressure on referees but for a young lad nine minutes into an all Ireland semi-final it's very tough isn't yeah, it? yeah and not a dirty hurler see him in training see him playing with James Stevens over the years big strong fella hurts hard but I don't see him doing it I didn't, there was no intent to my he went to go for he tipped the ball on in front of him and he went to go for the ball he, he's probably six foot six or seven it is and chap is five foot eight ran into him I think it's a very harsh call but look at the end of the day we were beaten by Clare by probably a better team on the day we, we, we take it and we go back again but I think the, the chaps have definitely improved during the year but I see them from their, from their times in squads they've, they've come a long way and it's so disappointing not to get to another final because it's a great occasion for any young fella the positive Davy, as you rightly said the hurling out of the guys the six backs Claire never threatened for a goal six backs then did their job the forwards Moore probably the only little thing was we didn't get enough ball into Moore in the second half and Keelan Brennan they were excellent as a two man Keelan Brennan's first game Brian Moore didn't do much hurling up to this last couple of years because he was playing a lot of soccer and again we we did we just we found look I think I thought it was our best first corner I was the best corner that we had played all year and I thought we were in the right position at the right time but again I think to send enough for the massive bearing in the game there's no point beating on the bush when you're playing 14 against 15 at that age seniors can cope with it but young fellas can't cope with that kind of stuff that being said David we got the two points after half time we went up a point yeah and I know the weather was very heavy but like we were in a strong position 13-12 it could be this or day could be ah, this yeah, or you're, you're hoping that things yeah. are against you look you know yourself we all played hurling you can get complacent when you're a man up and we were, hope, we were hoping Claire would do that and did, did, did sit back and be comfortable a little bit but we, we went to we went to point up after half time we just found it very hard to get the ball down the field we didn't get enough ball into Brian Moore quick enough and we needed, we needed to get fast ball into Brian Moore and Connor Dial and try and work scores but uh, you're, you're coming back to what we're saying just that they, 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 the work rate is unreal among these young fellas and the train, like the, I see the hours they put in. I'm only in there for the last while giving a handout. But the hours they put in is just unbelievable between Jim Mark and and uh, all the work. And I want to pay a massive credit to Niall Bergen and Paddy Hogan and their backroom team for all. The, like I see the hours they do. Like no one understands that till you're in there. Like last Monday evening, for example, we were there at quarter to six. We got home at half eleven. So it's a it's a lot, a lot of work for for. And again, people would say it's even. Ah, the team wasn't good. But that's that's people's opinion. But I think when you're inside 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 in the situation, you know different. You know. Yeah. Baby Boogie, uh, coach of the Kenny Winners. You can be proud of the young lads. Well done and thanks. Thanks, Ed. Good Kenny selector there and coach at uh, David Buggy catching up with our own Adrian Ronan after yesterday's All Ireland minor semi final, which saw Clare advance to the decider to face Galway. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Welcome back. We are coming up to the news at five o'clock, but before that, Oshin Langan caught up with Carlo manager Niall Carew after his team lost to Limerick in the second round of the Talisman Cup yesterday. Niall Carew, Carlo manager, um, Limerick overcoming you here. Did we see today the effect of a team in a lower level playing against a team who operate at a higher level? Even though at times he matched them, yeah, yeah. overall they just probably had the better of it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think we probably, the five points down at half time, we come back, kick the last five without answered. Um, we didn't panic in the first half, but in the second half, when we conceded the one two very early on, I think our lads tried to force it. And when, you know, in the first half, we didn't try to force it. So when you try to force it against a team, very seasoned like Limerick, uh, playing operating out of Division 2, uh, you will get punished. I mean, there's some excellent players right through the team. Um, so, yeah, we we probably be disappointed that we tried to force things and there was no need to uh, early on in the second half. And, and that probably cost us, whereas we kept the scoreboard ticking over to get back to four, get back to three, then all of a sudden they're doubting themselves, but we didn't we we you know we made our mistakes and then went back and got six or seven up and we struggled after that. I do want to talk about some of your good play because there was a lot of that today to be fair but that goal that you conceded at the start of the second half, firstly it was a bad time, secondly it was probably a bad one to concede. Yeah look uh, it seemed to me, I was just walking in along the sideline and seeing it, um, I think I'd say it was down to our lads not tracking, letting one or two runners go and in fairness to Limerick they'll punish you all the way when that happens, um, yeah and any goal you can see is, is, is not nice but um, ah, look we've no complaints Limerick were just better all around today um, they're a better seasoned team they've a lot of experience they've no young fellas really at all they're lads have been through the mill getting from Division 4 to Division 2 um, they said some of them have the rank clear very close this year as well so ah, they're, 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 they're a good outfit and they're a step above us but in saying that I felt if we didn't panic in the second half we could have been right in it there near the end but we did panic uh, and we forced it for the 10 minutes in the second half and, and that cost us ultimately then because you're seeing you will get your 10 minutes but you have to hang in there for the five when we went five down and we just we kicked in two or three long balls and there was no need to instead of holding on to it and getting the score to it but look we learn that's that's what it's all about Jim. it's still in your hands Longford to come if you win that you're through yeah well look everyone knew on paper Limerick were the best team in this they were uh, number one seed for a reason um, and we were number four in it so yeah look we've Longford now I don't think I was at the Longford Limerick game um, I thought Limerick won that comfortably enough as well uh, even though it was only three at the end but it seemed to be all in, always in control now Longford are at our level as well so uh, it's going to take a big performance for us to beat them Carlo manager Niall Carew catching up with our own Oshin Langan there after yesterday's game between Carlo Limerick that saw Limerick run out winners in the Talton Cup. Brendan Hennessy, who of course was on commentary duty for us here at KCLR yesterday in the Heineken Champions Cup final, which saw Leinster agonisingly lose yet again in the final to the same opposition as 2022 in the form of La Rochelle by a single point, 27 points to 26, Ron O'Gara's side won yesterday's brilliant game but if you're a Leinster supporter of course which I am uh, it was a really disappointing outcome to a truly marvellous occasion for rugby in the Viva Stadium Brendan who as I said was on commentary caught up with Carlo man Bernard Jackman who was doing his media obligations at the game yesterday here's what he had to say uh, Bernard Jackman disappointed for Leinster but uh, sum that one up for us Look, an incredible game. Um, I think La Rochelle deserved massive credit. Uh, 17-0 down, not really playing well. Um, just hung in the game, hung in the game. Um, and the way they won it at the end, I mean, uh, and then defended. Like, to win away from home, to win two European Cups back-to-back is, is incredibly hard. But to come to Dublin against a Leinster team full of players who won a Grand Slam, front of that crowd, um, and to win it the way they did it, it's, it's amazing. 
it's amazing it's, like, it's very sad for Leinster and disappointing for Leinster but La Rochelle deserve massive credit uh, Attritional we spot, people talk about Ireland are going to do well in the World Cup we always worry about the pool of players and if anything goes wrong Leinster lost three of their key players in that game it just goes to prove how attritional it was yeah absolutely and I think we really miss Sexton and, and the reality is uh, it's not easy to say but we're still very reliant on him and, and Leinster and Ireland are, are, Leinster obviously won't have him anymore but Ireland will hopefully have him but if he was to get injured um, it does put things in, into question you know um, look at Ireland handled France's power in the Six Nations um, but we saw their La Rochelle they, they managed the game well they slowed it down when they had to they made it about their power and we couldn't do anything with it once they had the ball then we couldn't get it back off them and uh, um, it's a real lesson for Andy Farrell um, you know we, we limped it over against the South Africans in November here but I still think on the back of that that we have to be very careful with teams who are bigger and more powerful than us because sometimes you can't run away from a fight and in saying that Burnder we were unlucky because Ross Byrne hit two conversions off the post uh, exactly a touch of Deja Udera exactly from the same place he hit the same part of the post it was a happen again we got a chance near the end Michael Alato then there was a penalty but there was a bit of gamesmanship from Rogers' men too but you'd understand that as well you played the game at the top level yourself you're going to get that no, no, look, you get that and he's brilliant I mean <laughs> if you had seen Larry Shell three or four months ago he wouldn't have put a penny on him being back in a final they have timed their run to perfection um, they've got better they believe in what they do um, they believe in him and it's a, I mean to, to, for him to have gone to a club like La Rochelle or a small club when he got you know historically and to win back to back European Cup finals uh, one of them away from home in Dublin is insane he's he's some man that's a fair achievement for him isn't it yeah he's an incredible coach and he has charisma and he um, you know he, he came over and did the RT uh, studio like came over yeah. you know what I mean and sat in there with his 20 minutes 40 game Probably started up a bit. No, really. he did. Yeah, really. I think he started up all week. But he, he, he um, he's very comfortable in his own skin. Um, he has strong opinions of the game. Um, he's built up his coaching experience. He's won a top four team of racing. He's won a Super Rugby now title with Crusaders, and now he's won back to back European titles. And who bet, bet against them doing a double? I mean, they don't seem to have too bad an injury crisis, uh, injury profile. They'll they'll fancy to win the top fourteen as well because, like what we saw to lose over here against Leinster a few weeks ago, Leinster made mince meet them. That La Rochelle team are. are and, and maybe they're the ones that'll go back to back and win a treble, you know, because like they won't they won't be away next year to be in La Rochelle, it'll be in London, it won't be uh, you know, I don't see this, this English team being in the final, so it'll be a neutral venue and um, they're gonna go for strength to strength. Can Leinster bounce back burned? Well look Leinster are going to change now, you know. Um, Lancaster's gone, Johnny's gone, um um it's going to be a big change there. Nina Barr is coming in, but he doesn't come in until after the World Cup, so they're going to miss the preseason. Uh, like Leinster have the tools, the resources to be there, thereabouts all the time, but not to win a European Cup since '18 is too long, and to have no trophy in two years is insane. You know, when you think about the the hype there was and the talk about demographics, sure, that was uh, demographics that were talking about three months ago and now to finish with nothing it's incredible yeah just losing last week losing today yeah. so all in all ends up a disappointing season and albeit they carried us through a terrific season yeah. until the final hurdle yeah. no no they're, they're brilliant to watch every week consistent 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 but the next level is now is, is being able to peak and win these knockout games no, no one cares what you've done all season if you don't have any trophies to show for it so yeah, you could argue that Leinster consistently are the best team in Europe for the last four or five years but that's, that's nonsense you know what I mean because because they have no trophies yeah and before I do let you go Tolo had a massive year Provincial yeah. Towns Cup winners Seconds Cup winners and the girls winning there ah, look at uh, Paul Flood Cup as well so look, great year for the club look at that club is in serious Nick and uh, met Morris Logue there today um, and what a coach and what he's, the job he's done obviously with Sean and Sprock and all the mentors there at all levels um, Larry Canavan your good friend yeah. showing in today as well yeah no Larry's um, Larry's 
is is royalty in Tullow, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, um, they're going to keep going. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Tullow um, were an AL club, you know, in a couple of years because there's no stopping. And the good thing about it is Kilkenny got to the Towns Cup yeah. final and County Carlow got to the semi final. Yeah. So all in all, things are good in their own no, uh, franchise area. No, they are. And um, rugby's more popular than ever. You know what I mean? I've like I went down Ballyconnell National School recently, and kids there all all know about Leinster, Ireland, which when I was growing up, they wouldn't have a clue. So um, and then they've got good clubs like Carlow, Kilkenny, Tullow. Um, to go in and, and learn whether you're man, woman, boy or girl there's an opportunity there to, to be involved so um, yeah that's great and Kilkenny College of course and SETU as a university now Johnny Tobin doing very well with them winning club of the year also yeah, yeah, yeah Johnny's, um, Johnny, Johnny's the man Johnny's the man he was, he was he's looking for your job on the TV by the way he was texting me there <laughs> telling me I'm talking nonsense but uh, I might give him a go at it and see how he gets on but no bother to him he'd, um, he'd, he'd talk away ok just when we have you Bernard you're flying at a commentary internationally locally and the whole you mind but uh, you're on KC you did start your commentary career yeah. with Casey Lur, so when you write another book, I'm sure we'll get a mention. Absolutely, and uh, I, I definitely appreciate that you gave me the first chance. Um, and if I keep going the way I'm going, I could be back with you fairly soon. But Mick Quinn has that sewn up, so I'll have to get him out there. I'll have to, I'll have to get him cancelled or something. Okay, well, listen, thanks for a few words today. It's disappointing for Leinster, but for La Rochelle, we can't take anything away. No, definitely deserve to win it. Yeah. Okay, Bernard, thank you very much. Lovely, thank you. Brendan Hennessy catching up with Bernard Jackman there after La Rochelle defeated Leinster in the Heineken Champions Cup final yesterday. Another game that you heard live on KCLR. Also, five games on KCLR yesterday. One of them saw Kilkenny crowned Leinster Intermediate Camogie Champions when they defeated Carlo by one goal and 19 points to one goal and eight points. A little bit later, we're going to hear from Carlo manager Peter Chapclear. But before that, our commentator Martin Quilty caught up with Kilkenny manager Seamus Kelly straight after the game. Shem Kelly, congratulations, Leinster Championship title for yourself and all of the Kilkenny players. And while it looked on the scoreboard that maybe you had it a little bit simple, Carlo certainly put it up to you, in particular in the first half. He did pull away, though, towards the end, but you must be overall delighted with the performance and delighted to get the victory. Overall, we're absolutely delighted to get the victory, you know what I mean? It, it, it was something we set our sights on this year, but, you know, respect to Carlo, in the first 30 minutes, they put us to the pin of our collar. They battled, they were winning every position, they were winning, they were winning the rooks, they're winning, they're winning everything like you know and they weren't giving it our way you know they were, they were bullying they were pushed around and they, they brought a savage intensity you know at half time we had to have a serious look at ourselves to see you know what we were going to do to come out of the traps and try to change this in fairness to them we got the response and the girls pushed on when we got the goal from Sarah Barco after that then we just kept uh, the scoreboard ticking over you know and that's what you know in the end kind of got us over the line just taking those scores particularly the start that got in the second half Sarah Barco's goal when she took it very very well he pushed on from that but up to half time maybe you might have been a bit disappointed with the, the performance and the score Carlo in particular that goal that Carlo got as well I'd say you wouldn't be happy with the way that that was conceded No I think for the first 30 minutes to be honest with you we were very unsure of ourselves it kind of seemed like that we were kind of just playing our positions we are playing within ourselves a bit you know and, and that's what you know if, if, if you do that on any given day you know you're going to be put under pressure but again that happened came out in the second half then that, that all changed they put the shoulder to the wheel they grinded it out and they kept pushing kept pushing kept pushing and look thankfully we you know we, we got the win in the end I was just talking to a chap there a couple of moments ago as well this is brilliant preparation for both panels but in particular yourselves momentum now going forward you are Leinster champions <coughs> you go into the All-Ireland competition now with a bit of uh, swagger I suppose and a bit more confidence that you know you have a good group of players and maybe they can perform the same as they did in particular in the second half here today yeah look the, the next three weeks 
weeks now are going to be absolutely hectic. You know, we've Dublin away, Cork home, and then Galway away. So there's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of pressure on us over the next three weeks. But you know, learning from today that when we were, when we were put under pressure, that we're able to get our bearings and grind it out and get a result will stand to us going into the championship games. It's not going to be easy. You know, if Cork and Galway in the same group as you, one of those counties is you know not going to proceed into either a quarter final or semi final. So you know, we have to let the girls enjoy the win today. You need to enjoy the wins when they come, but we'll have to refocus very quickly and get ourselves set for the All Ireland series. Intermediate champions hasn't happened Kilkenny that very often at this age group so for yourself to bring this group of players and make champions out of them as well proud say for everyone involved but especially this group of players because I know they have worked so hard especially after the league defeat a couple of weeks ago to come back and get a bit of silverware they so much deserve this they're, they're, actually, they're an absolutely brilliant bunch of people you know what I mean like from, from the get go when we you know when we got the panel together the group together you know, they're, you know they, they grew in confidence from game to game you know the whole way through and especially after the league you know they really um, you know they, they, they got that hunger especially when we got to the replay against Cork and pushed them in the first day out you know but yeah look in fairness the girls deserve this it's about the girls it's not one else and the management as well all the lads have been brilliant you know getting the preparations right so look it's been a massive group effort and to the county board as well so you know you have to give credit where credit is due the support and resources are given to help us get to days like this and bring home more silverware you know it's only a third intermediate title for Kilkenny but hopefully you know we can keep pushing on now this year and see what we can do you know so. well congratulations fantastic achievement today go enjoy the celebrations thanks very much Martin thank you Seamus Kelly catching up or Martin Quilty rather catching up with Kilkenny Intermediate Camogie Manager Seamus Kelly after yesterday's Leinster final victory over Carlo Martin also caught up with Carlo Manager Peter Shapclear and here's what he had to say Chapter, commiserations. Look, it's the first final that Carlo has been in since 2019, and you certainly rattled Kilkenny for the first half, especially with that early goal that you got as well. You must be immensely proud of your squad and all your players here today. Yeah, first and foremost, incredibly proud of all the girls. Um, we put in a fantastic effort today. Uh, we just come up against a, a, a clinical and ruthless Kilkenny team. I mean, uh, I've been saying all along, they're, they're really, really sharp. Um, but by God, our girls uh, gave it absolutely everything. We had a really good first half and uh, we hung in for as long as we could. And I suppose Kilkenny got a goal to start the second half. And when they get ahead, as we've seen, uh, they tend to bring their half back, forward line back and play very deep and then the pace to hurt you in the counter. So once once they got that five points up, we were in a little bit of trouble. And try as we may, we just couldn't just couldn't, um, couldn't get back into it. And uh, But the girls fought to the very end. I mean, I've seen the Kilkenny team beat Dublin by 30 points and beat Wexford by 15 or 16 points, but our girls, are, you know, they fought to the very, very end, so I'm very proud of them. They certainly did. All the talk coming in here was probably it was going to be an onslaught. There was only going to be one winner. And while the result may have looked that way, it certainly wasn't that way on the field. And I know yourself was talking Kilkenny up as well, even during the week on the podcast as well. Was that to take the pressure off the girls, or did you actually fear that Kilkenny may have been as good as they were? Because when they did get ahead, they really did push on and you've said that before you won the league but there's another step up when you come up to this age group as well like and you know Carlo played very very well but just they're a small little step behind just currently at the minute as well which I think is fair to say Yeah I think Kenny were clinical and as I said I've been saying it all week and all year uh, the amount of talent in that Kenny squad I mean you see players like like Sarah Barco and Laura Green I mean how they're not up on the senior team <laughs> I can't understand it because they're absolutely unbelievable um, and just goes to show the strength and depth that Kenny have you know and um, that players 
can be on the senior panel and come back down and it's just, it's just brilliant for Kilkenny to have so many players we're working off a very small pool of players maybe six or seven clubs um, but by God I cannot fault their effort or cannot fault their heart um, and I never fear losing and you obviously want to win everything And um, but there's a way to lose and we lost the right way today uh, which is and I think in fairness to Kilkenny they, they put us up to as they um, they took us on they, they got the vital scores when they needed them and look they, they deserved it on the day 100% so best luck to them This is certainly a great preparation for yourselves going into the All-Ireland Series as well you've won the league you've had a good run through the Leinster you got to the final I think your league or your All-Ireland Series starting next week for you as well or if not definitely the next week time. after yeah. so I mean this is fantastic preparation for you going into that con- competition Oh sure look it's unbelievable I mean for us to test ourselves against and I've said it in your show a couple of times we're testing ourselves against the best team in my opinion in the country uh, Kenny and Cork are the two standout teams by a country mile but outside that there's not a massive amount between everybody else and um, you know we've won the league which is great we've beaten the Leinster final today um, but you know we're really aiming now against the All-Ireland Champions we really want to go over a group and get into an All-Ireland quarter-final and that is a serious target for us uh, and if we play like we did today we'll have a right good chance of it so that's the ambition that's the, that's the plan uh, get into a quarter-final and then you're, you're up against the best and you see what happens so we're really looking forward to it Yeah so are we it looked like you picked up a couple of injuries though any fears going into next week's competition that maybe you're going to be without a couple of players Yeah more than likely will a couple of girls picked up a little knocks and we've one or two girls away travelling as well So, but again that doesn't bother me because we've always spoke with the strength of the panel and the strength of the squad so when one or two girls go one or two come back in and that's the way it is and that's the way it has to be so in order for it to be competitive we need uh, you know different players for different games and uh, I don't think we've started not intentionally Martin but I don't think we've started the same 15 any game this year it's just the way it worked out you know um, and that'll definitely continue for next week with the, with the way things are set up but look uh, it was a great game brilliant battle uh, cannot fault my girls for their effort or their attitude uh, massive congratulations to Kilkenny they, they deserved it they were the better team on the day um, and we've a right good chance now of getting over group and resetting again and going to this All-Ireland Championship and we're, we're hungry for it we're looking forward to it we want more big days like this in Carlo Well we're certainly going to keep following you throughout the year as well well done added to the great spectacle that was here today as well and we wish you the best of luck going forward in the All-Ireland Series Yeah and just to say to you I mean the, the pitch has been absolutely fantastic today it's great to have the, the stand and a lovely crowd out as well which is great you know it's brilliant for the girls who on both teams who work so hard all year to get a big crowd to come out and show their support it's a fantastic occasion for both Kilkenny and Carlo Camogie and Leinster Camogie and all the officials today so just a lot of work goes into preparing Leinster final but I have to say top class today so well done to all the all the officials and everyone for setting it up and look you never know uh, we'll, uh, the All-Ireland Series is coming and, and maybe Kilkenny might not be in the intermediate next year you never know some of these girls might not be eligible so you never know Well wouldn't it be great if this was a repeat of the All-Ireland in uh, August in Crow Park Yeah look we'll take one step at a time now Martin first we'll take one step at a time <laughs> we have a tough group um, but you know we've Antrim Derry and Wexford second team uh, in our group so there will only be a puck of a ball in any one of those three games so look we live in hope Certainly do live in hope. Peter Chap clear there, uh, catching up with our own Martin Quilty after yesterday's Leinster Intermediate Camogie final. That's a wrap on Scoreline Extra. You can get more updates on our full time podcast with Martin Quilty or the live show on Mondays just after the six o'clock news. And for all your sporting updates, check out the KCLR Sports website, scoreline.ie, during the week.